Yes, 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 it's showtime, folks. G.I. Joe Book, episode 290. Where are the O-rings, Hasbro? <laughs> my name is Steve. I'm joined by my usual crew, Paul Deadly Pencils. Hello, Paul. How's it, bud? Hello, everybody. And Rob. Hey, 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 back on the airwaves. <laughs> Always with a little bit of a performance. I love it. I love it. Boys, hello. Paul, Rob, how are we on this fine, fine Sunday evening South African time and Sunday, Sunday? Monday morning, Australia time. Sunday day. Well, Rob, I, I nominate Rob to go first. Whoa. Stephen, yeah. do, you, do you second that? Uh, I do second that motion. Rob, oh my goodness! You? I guess I'm going to go first. I'm doing quite well. I finally had my first weekend off in well, an entire weekend off in over a month this week. Oh, very good. Tons of sleeping. I actually started watching The Mentalist. Um, I've always wanted to watch it properly. It's a really fun show. Uh, Rob's really <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, curious, Rob. You're a, you're a Trekkie more so than I am. Did you ever yeah. get into Picard season three? Or any Picard, for that matter. Uh, so I watched some of season one. I mm -hmm. I kind of jumped off at a certain point um, before they started torturing um, characters and ripping their eyes out. Um, I watched the first episode of season two and the last episode of season two, so I missed out all the rubbish in between. But <laughs> having said all of this, yes, I have watched most of season three. I still need to finish it. And it's actually really good. I haven't watched it season is, three yet. It's actually a, it's it's fan service. I, I think done right, and it kind of oh, it's an absolute fan wank. Right. I kind of miss my my Star Trek <laughs> hand job week to week. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> giving me exactly what I need. You know, it's absolutely fantastic. I've enjoyed every episode I've watched. I've seen clips from later on in the season, so I know what like crazy shit is coming my way. Um, hmm. So I'm very excited to keep going and, and finish it. It's it's wild that, that you know you have two. As I've said to some people who've been like, "Oh, should I watch Picard?" I'm like, "Yeah, you can just skip the first two seasons. Like, you don't have to watch any of it because it has no bearing upon the third season in any way whatsoever. Except you know one plot point that kind of happens uh, near the end of season one. But other than that, you can kind of pick it up as you go along if there's anything else. Um, it's really good. It's absolutely fantastic. Feels cool, very deliberate that they've insulated this season from the rest. Um, it's a, a course correction and 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 uh, proof to the adage that you can indeed polish a turd. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I, I felt like generally in Picard there was there were things to enjoy, and I I enjoyed the series. I certainly and and I think I kind of got, uh, it got me at the right time because the other series um, Discovery was on, and Discovery was yeah, it's Discovery. Um, <laughs> And it was just, Picard was just a much better flavor of Star Trek for me, both Discovery. So I was still getting a Star Trek fix. I, I'm sure if I look back at it, if I rewatch it now, uh, maybe more objectively, I'll probably find a lot more things that bug me about it. But honestly, um, good old Patrick Stewart on screen is always cool for me. That guy's great. And even if the stories are written bad or whatever, I love his character and I like, you know, I like him. Um, so I, I, that's just what, but put me through those those episodes, and well, I still haven't watched the third season. I'm because... glad you were able to get through them. Um, I wasn't. Yeah. 
Uh, but season three definitely is a complete and different beast from the first two seasons. And, I, and I'm I dying to watch it. And apparently it. Strange New Worlds is pretty cool as well. Is it Strange New Worlds or is it Brave New Worlds? Strange New Worlds. Strange. Strange. Apparently that's a lot of fun as well. Sorry. I have one overarching critique for, I suppose, modern Star Trek in general, but uh, Star Trek um, Picard season three is not exempt from this. Who thought it was a great idea to introduce like swear words into the star trek universe i know know. from a writing point of view it maybe makes the characters more relatable in their minds you know because yeah these guys they grunt and they swear and they cuss just like us but star trek never really did say f-bombs and shits and damn it like they somehow steered clear of that language and now that it's in star trek every time they do like drop an expletive i'm like ah, that's that's not very star trekky it snaps me out of it every single time yeah yeah it's, i imagine it's like walking into your parents you know having sex <laughs> it's, it's that kind of feeling <laughs> wow yeah it doesn't i have belong. this i had this friend in school his name's uh daniel very very nice guy but uh he's fa- or oh, not but but very nice guy and He's, uh, you know, from a family of missionaries and they used to live in a campus, um, like a sort of a missionary campus uh, there in Maldestrift and everybody that lived there was American and his parents never swore and like, you know, they just nobody there ever swore. So, of course, you know, you got me and I swear like all the time. And the one time I heard Daniel say shit, I heard him say, I, I, I just about fell over and it's it, it it's like it's a really weird thing uh, and so that's how it feels like for me with star trek every time i go oh yeah that's like daniel swearing it's just not right because the whole thing yeah, with star trek it's right jarring. we and, and we're we not as a species, like we're not we're not sensitive to swear words swearing. i know we swear all the time it's just it doesn't feel right for we're pirates show. Yeah. yeah it's weird it is so weird to hear like jean-luc picard say fuck so weird. <laughs> but um, anyways, guys, if we haven't lost anyway. everyone with Star Trek talk by now, the title of this episode reads, Where are the O-Rings, Hasbro? And I have ambushed both of my co-hosts on this topic mm. because I, yes, he has. I did not want to premeditate your responses. Um, in terms of a timeline, the triumphant return of O-Rings was announced along with the Hazlab Sky Striker at the end of 2021. Mm. This was October, I believe, uh, during the Hasbro Pulse Palava. PulseCon is what they called it. Um, they just lined up all their brands, and each team did announcements and unveils of new product. And so the, the Hasbro team actually did a very good job, kind of showed up the competition. They announced the return of O-Rings, they um, announced new classified reveals, um, and then the Pièce de Résistance was the HasLab Sky Striker, the first G.I. Joe HasLab project ever produced, ever announced. And we all know it was a a success in the end. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It did cross the finish line and crossed it It well well enough, well enough (laughs) to have two unlocks, um, certainly Mm. beat out the Rancor, which expired the day before without reaching its funding goal 
Um, I mean, that was an exhilarating little passage of history. Like a major, major brand like Star Wars couldn't cross the finish line, but G.I. Joe managed to beat that hump and the Sky Striker went into production. Flash forward to June of 2022. The retro O-ring collection is steaming along with a few releases. It's uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. It's uh, Duke and Cobra Commander. It's the Cobra Officer and Trooper. And then the final announcement in that uh, particular Yojo June was the Stinger with Driver, O-ring Driver. That is June of 2022. We're almost coming up on 12 months now with no new announcements. It feels like if this was an initiative, surely it had more momentum planned than what we're seeing on the ground. I want to get some honest responses from you guys. Why do you suppose that is? And what is your projection for the future of O-rings produced by Hasbro? Well, the um, Duke Cobra Commander set is on BBTS, and it was on special the other day. <laughs> so, oh, how much was it? Oh, God, I think it was like $40 or $56. Okay. I can't remember. I was looking at a lot of toys. I just remember some of the McFarlane stuff being $10 and being, hmm. <laughs> um, ah, we do have some insider info. <clears throat> Ryan Sweeney's in the chats. Hello, Ryan. And hello, Zantara. Welcome, guys. Ryan says, I did get to ask Lenny and Tony about O-rings, and it sounds like the figures did not sell well enough to keep investing in more tooling. However, we will see more Transformer Joe crossovers. <laughs> well, that's the cheat sheet right there. Um, that kind of takes the wind out of uh, the sails of that second question. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the first. So there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, close the book on this topic. <laughs> there will be no more O-ring G.I. Joes, um, and the reason is it didn't sell well. I've got such well. a... I got such a cheeky answer to this, actually. Okay. And it's so cool that... It's so cool that you actually brought this up because I had the privilege not too long ago of checking out a Joy Toy figure. Mm -hmm. Okay, um... And if, uh, for those listeners who don't know, Joy Toy make 1 to 18 scale uh, sort of futuristic military figures, very much in the vein of the modern era G.I. Joe stuff, which also um, have mechs and vehicles that accompany them at one to, uh, 1 to 18 and 1 to 24 scale. The 1 to 18 are actually vehicles and they're mechs and they're amazing. And there's some bikes and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, they are pricey though, right? To be fair. But anyway... Uh, they have a line of War, Warhammer figures, which is that, you know, very popular uh, tabletop game. And I got to see those Warhammer figures in hand. And I, and I know what the recommended retail price is here in South Africa, which is under a thousand Rand. Okay, that, that's comparable to what you pay for a Marvel Legends in South Africa now. In fact, I think Marvel Legends are actually a thousand one hundred Rand in some places, which is disgusting. And you look at the quality of these figures and you're like, oh my God, they're amazing. The paint quality is great. The articulation is good. The finish on the toys is good. You know, you can see that they come pressed out of a factory and are, are heavily quality checked and all that stuff. And it gets you wondering, like, what the hell is Hasbro actually doing? Like, what part of this business do they actually care about? Do they care about making cool stuff? Do they care about the fans? Do they care about a quick buck? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, we know they care about a quick buck. And... <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, it's just, it's just sad to see like another company like Joy Toy, like seriously kicking like Hasbro's ass 
uh, when Hasbro are meant to be giants. And also to answer the O-ring questions, well, we've got all these other industrious uh, businesses that are coming up with their own series of O-ring figures. We've got the, the Legend of the Hidden Force guys. We've got the Eagle Force stuff coming. Oh, fill me in here. And of course, is uh, Eagle Force O-ring? Uh, there is that modern construction. You know, the, What's that? But yeah, there is that that um, line oh. that's got like the Russian guy and whatever. Call sign there. longbow. Call sign longbow. Thank you. Sorry. Operation but, Recall. Legends of the Hidden Force. Uh, there are a few that I'm blanking on. Um, some that are not even crowdfunded that seem kind of kind of to just appear. Yeah, and then long. of course we've mm -hmm. got um, Skeletron. Uh, you know who's doing their stuff as well, and they've got O-ring and sort of modern sculpt offerings as well as well as six-inch stuff coming. And it's just like Hasbro, like, I don't know. Well, Hasbro doesn't that know just what tells doing. me there's all this stuff. Look, I guess those are still relatively minuscule numbers in terms of actual O-ring figure demand. Mm. But I'm just wondering if there would be any, any difference made if Hasbro forged ahead and weren't doing the main character hump, as it's been called. What I mean by that is... They're producing figures that if you do have an existing O-ring collection, they become kind of easy to pass up on. I'm not about to replace my original Baroness with the Baroness that came with Megatron, the Mega His. I'm not mm -hmm. about to chuck out my original Ace for the Ace that came in the, the Haslab Sky Striker. Oh, I'm not totally. about to get the Cobra Trooper and Officer 2-pack and and add them to my regular blue shirts because i know those figures have issues or at least the officer does so like there are detractors from getting me the core audience for these figures from buying them to buy them i don't know I'm, i basically have reasons to, to to give them a skip i'm like yeah it's nice but i've already got snake eyes and storm shadow so yeah what, i put my nose out of joint uh, listen, I mean, guys, you know why the, the mm. sales were so low. I mean, Stephen's getting a very good reason why is because they're poorly made. You really own these conceived. figures. Yeah, but they're also poorly conceived right? as well. You know. Yeah, but the thing is, so you're not coming up with anything new. I think why why they aren't why they didn't do well is because the people that would have bought them already own them. They're so not must-have figures. They they're not Pythona and Doctor Venom don't want o-ring figures it's that they chose the wrong figures to make um yeah you bring that's a good point rob and steve also brings up a really good point to go with that is yeah you're right there is no pythona um like a, a, all dr venom like we would snatch official, those up yeah an official hasbro o-ring pythona and dr venom would be must-have figures for me yeah um and i think i guess. speak for i speak for most o-ring collectors in that regard like we've got so much of the the, the classics the, the kind of the easy sells um the smart move would would be to create one of a kind new figures and then you could kind of dangle ramp rat in my nose but he was a franken joe and you know i i have no problem using a, a blue shirt waving you know cobra rattlers into the the hangar bay I don't need a specific new Viper, but I mean, I suppose it's nice. I know Gary V likes his Ramp Rats. He's recently got a second one. Well, why the hell not? If they're flooding the market currently, everyone's trying to shell off their HasLab figures or the, the Jet or both. 
I just think it's bad. Five. <laughs> I just think it's weird. Like it's sad that for me personally, uh, and and maybe this is more of a subjective thing, but I don't feel any FOMO regarding the Sky Striker whatsoever, or any of the characters that came with it. I know that I like, you know, when you've like said, "Oh, I need to dump these figures off on somebody," and then I joke and I go, oh, "You can always dump them off with me." But at the end of the day, really, like. I'm so neither here nor there about anything that came with that Sky Striker. Like, and I think that's kind of what Steve, uh, what Rob was talking about as well. There's a general apathy to these guys because there isn't anything new. There isn't anything really new. And we're also not getting a better version of what we already have from Hasbro of, of these same to- same characters. So it's like, it's weird. It's like, it's like they, it, it's like the bad version of the Motu Origins releases the motu origins they are improvements of the originals in my opinion and they're exciting and they definitely fill gaps in guys collections whereas the gi joe o-ring stuff doesn't seem to do that and hasbro can't admit themselves uh, can't admit that to themselves and and course correct and at least that's what i feel i well, also like course correction yeah. because there is no course we now have almost definitive proof that the you know the o-ring initiative is doa not DOA, yeah, Dio. Oh, well, it's, it's dead on its current trip. Yeah, it's <laughs> missing in action. Um, I'm gonna highlight Ryan's comments again because I mean, real talk, he's 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 dropping absolute reasons, uh, hard financial reasonings. That uh, the real issue is Mattel and Hasbro are too big. They bought up all the competition and so need to sell so many toys for them to make money off them. There are massive overheads to a a, a, a listed course. company like Hasbro and Mattel. They do have to answer to their shareholders and and also yeah, pay, sure. pay the salaries of every single person who has a hand in production of these figures. So if the units aren't selling to the, the, the magnitude that they need, well, it's, 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 a, it's purely a business decision. There's no heart or soul in it. it is, it's just about the numbers. Whereas fan projects certainly have to sell very much smaller limited quantities in order to kind of balance the books. And also them being driven by people who are kind of like us. They've done the homework Mm. for months, if not years in advance. They are anxious. They are dying to see their figures make production. So they will massage the numbers. Um, The the perfect example is um, Hidden Force. They weren't confident in the Kickstarter reaching its, its funding goal. So they pulled the plug early and decided to rejig things and are now coming back strong. Um, there is still funding period on that. So if you haven't checked out Legends of the Hidden Force, I urge you to do so. You can get some sweet, sweet ninja figures. And they're O-rings. And they have all the new mod cons, but they still will pass the squint test of fitting in with all your ninja force. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Okay. They're, they're... But, so these small guys can do this. They can be creative mm-hmm. while holding other jobs and doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nothing is preventing a gigantic corporation like Hasbro actually investing in, in market you. research. What did yep. they do back in the 80s? What did they do back yep. in the 90s? They did oh, research at departments I'm that figured the shit out. So they had this. creative departments. They have art departments. They can actually come up with new figures and new ideas. So many more, so much more than these small guys can who are showing up Hasbro. You know? Dude, I'm so happy you said this because... This is exactly my thinking. It's like, yes, everything that you guys just, uh, that that Ryan mentioned, I fully agree with because that is definitely like the challenges that come with these big companies. Um, but then 
at the same time, the realist, the reality of it is that these big companies, a actually do waste a lot of money on stuff. And I'm <laughs> anybody who works for them knows this, um, B uh, and I mean, th that is pretty much fact. I mean, I see it all the time. I can't believe the amount of money some of these businesses waste on things like expos and stuff. But anyway, because uh, they get it as a write-off. And B, they did the HasLab. Essentially, they did a Kickstarter. So, like, the irony of the whole thing is that these small businesses like the, you know, um, like Legends of the Hidden Force, they're doing a Kickstarter because they're a small business. They're trying to get um, seed funding for this thing so how so they can pull it off but hasbro can't pull it off because they they have this big 80s corporate mentality still they haven't evolved they haven't like tried to evolve their, their strategy and i'm not i'm saying hasbro but a lot of companies it's not just hasbro that have done this a lot of businesses are still trying to do business today the same way they did in the 80s and early 90s they haven't tried to actually evolve. They've just tried to change their optics, the way that they are perceived. That's it. They still run their businesses. They still think the old way. They still get rid of people. You know, like, I mean, recently Hasbro did a whole bunch of firings and stuff like that. They're not thinking, you know, like they're not being smart about this. They're not going, oh, yeah, like Rob said now. Oh, okay, cool. Well, why don't we, why don't we like put a bit of seed funding towards an R&D team? Maybe we open a small subdivision of Hasbro get a small dedicated team of people to try and run it and try to kickstart a product and then get it up and running and let them do it by themselves. I hate to say this and I hate to give this guy credit at the moment, but back in the day, Matty Collector, that's what they did. And it was pretty successful for them. So like Hasbro is not learning these, <laughs> these lessons. They're not Are learning throwing from Throwing shade at Mr. Mattel. Uh, no, not Mr. Mattel. I'm throwing shade at Mr. Spectre Creative because oh, fortunately he name dropped him. I was calling yeah. him Mr. Mattel or Captain Mattel or what he would be. No, he's like, yeah, I, I, I think the man's got some very good insights, but I also think he's played out a little bit now anyway. So it doesn't matter who cares. Um, <laughs> that's my opinion, not the opinion of Gino Joe book. Um, then also just one thing to like also add to that whole mix of, of things is that You've got, we live in a time now where, you know, small businesses can, you know, do cool things. So why doesn't Hasbro then, instead of holding on to the brand and being gatekeepers of their brand, why don't they create a huge style guide and then allow people to buy the brand and create figures on their behalf? Bingo! Paul's nice. hit on it. Well, guys, to that, I just say this is a an interesting time to be a G.I. Joe collector because you've been catered to in every other style, fashion, scale, except the one that we bought in the 80s and 90s. Mm. Because Hasbro has farmed out the license to Super 7, who are making mm. vintage Star Wars style 5 POA action figures and going gangbusters. I mean... They might not be selling great. I don't, I don't know. They seem to be clogging the stores here. Um, they're on special on BBTS as well. Sure, but mm. they exist, and they don't seem to be showing signs of slowing down. So mm. clearly, they've sold enough to continue, even though they are now being clearance down. Similarly, the Ultimates wave of figures have have dropped. They've now dropped. The, the second wave is now in hand. That's Flint, mm. Destro, Baroness, Lady J. 
and mm, mixed reviews, some yes, quality control issues, but they exist. And they are absolute love letters to the cartoon, which is something that a lot of people either have been clamoring for or didn't know they wanted and now realize, hang on, this is exactly the flavor of G.I. Joe that I want to be collecting. Mm. You've got the classified series, which also is, is, has now eclipsed everything else in terms of the G.I. Joe um, stable at Hasbro, and, and rightly so. Why, why drip feed a line like the O-Ring to a, a select few number of collectors um, and keep it on live support when you've got this other thing that's just selling like hotcakes to a whole cross-section of old-school G.I. Joe fans, new-school G.I. Joe fans, Marvel Legends fans? Et al. Black Series fans. Everyone mm. is interested in Classified because they're actually, on, on average, on balance, they're very good figures. Mm. Very few actual detractors. Um, okay. So we've got all that stuff, and I'm not even getting into the third-party production stuff like, oh, oh, did I mention Mezco? People got their Destros, and my God, like they live up to the hype. They Thank are God, because mine's good. sitting at BBTS. <laughs> have you seen reviews of this toy? I'm actually purposefully not because I want to have my own opinions when I open the packaging. Well, then so not, I've, got not a whole, spoilers, I've got a whole thing, like, got a whole thing planned. Say, like yeah. the, the break apart weapon mm-hmm. strikes the perfect balance between like real world, like technical detail and then that kind of futurist vibe. That Destro's in you know Mars industry should tread, and it bre- oh, it's so good, oh my word, so good, breaks apart into all its constituent parts, fits into this insert that goes into the case. The insert is removable. Okay, no, I'm, I'm giving a mini review already, but like the LEDs, the light up features in the thing, the blast effects. I hate blast effects, but I'm like, these are really good. <laughs> uh oh. Okay, well, then I'm dying to get mine because it was a long wait for that figure. Um, Absolutely, about two years, I think. Uh huh. And I got the email the other day to say, hey, cool, like uh, your pre order is about to be charged. And I was like, oh, shit, do I still want this thing? Why do I want this thing? You know, <laughs> like it's unfamiliar territory, like all this shit. And then I'm like, no, I want it so that G.I. Joburg can have eyes on this thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and okay. I like it. <laughs> so, bottom line is, if you've got a hankering for GI Joe and you're not particularly precious about what scale or what style, you have so much on offer. Except the one thing, the one thing that's <laughs> just this is not in the market. Well, I think. Where's it's it also- going with that? I've I've lost the thread of my own point. Yes, uh, I, I was saying they license things out. Lots of people yes. are actually yeah. using. Like toys, there is an initiative, or at least a, a sense that Super Seven wanted to do O Ring, and Hasbro mm. were like, we'll, "We'll let you do your reaction stuff. We'll let you do the ultimate stuff. We'll let you do the I think it's called Super Cyborg." Um, they did a bat, sort of a large scale, really kind of chibi, not which chibi, is a yeah, which is a throwback to the old um, Shogun Warrior figures that came out. The there same. you go. Yeah. But they were barred from doing the O-ring, which Ryan Flynn, Ryan Flynn had, had such an interest in, in, in taking up um, because Hasbro wanted to take a crack at it. 
I wish, and this is circling back to what you were mentioning, Rob, I wish now the restrictions on Super 7 were lifted and they were able to take a crack at the O-Ring because you know that they're going to bring all the unproduced characters to the fore. Yeah, we'd, that we'd is probably what Super get... 7 does. And it'd be cool. I mean, can you imagine what uh, like a wave, like the first two waves of theirs would look like? Like, I, I imagine at least that we'd get like the Sunbow heavy hitters. Okay, so we'd get like Snake Eyes, Duke, Shipwreck um, in one wave, for example. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm just throwing it out. And then you get like Mara and, mm. you know, um, Raven. Raven or something. Maybe not both the of them. October in the same God. Wave, but you get like an October God member. And, they would throw in all these like weirdos to go in with the regular line stuff. And then the, with the regular line stuff, they'd probably throw in all these great Easter eggs like they've been mm. doing with the Super 7 line, with the Ultimate line. That, well, that would be awesome because then it also caters to a niche. When I see a rack off, of reaction so. G.I. Joe figures, I squint my eyes and it feels like I'm back in the 80s. Maybe that's the appeal of it. I mean, I've I've spoken about it before. I did a review of one of them, the the Snake Eyes, and it's it's giving you that carded GI Joe nostalgia. That's why mm. a lot of people keep their reaction figures on card because that's so crucial to the presentation. And if you do keep it carded, the five POA doesn't bother you. But there could be so much more. Anyways, guys, I think I'm gonna cap off this chat because we do now have. I'd, I'd say almost 100% definitive answers as to where the Hasbro O-Ring line is going, and that's nowhere. Um, and I'm going to then ask for a different bit of speculation from both of you. Also, equally unprompted, unprepared. Nice, dude. Oh, these <laughs> Yo- are fun, man. Let's do it. Yojo June is coming up. There have been Whoa. cryptic, cryptic um, messages, like nicely designed incoming transmission, like sort of redacted. It's not a dragonfly spy messages <laughs> um hinting at a gi joe answer to the cobra has lab classified scale his tank what could it be paul's just said it's not a dragonfly what what do you allegedly what do you um, think i'm basing it okay so i i'm basing this on some threads in facebook uh some mm-hmm. channels that i follow where on one of them, and I'm not going to name the channels because, quite frankly, I can't remember the name of the channel. Um, but the one guy, they were speculating, or one person was like, oh, this is proof that the next HasLab thing is going to be a dragonfly. And one of the guys underneath commented, like, no, there's actually a guy on this group that is working on those projects. And he specifically said it's not going to be a dragonfly because apparently that was leaked and now Hasbro doesn't want to do that. That's that so was that what I was say, said there. I don't know if that's so true. That I say words are cheap, and of course <laughs> exactly. you're going to throw some red herrings. Like if 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 you're because Haslabs don't get vomited out like the weekend of. No. Uh, months and months of of prep go into Definitely. the design. So you know if it is a dragonfly, it's been a dragonfly. It's been locked in for a year now. Quite possibly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna benchmark it at twelve months. Yeah, yeah. I so Paul, uh, do, do you really think that these cheap words that are being bantered about on social media actually I just think hold any water? Oh no, man, I'm just throwing that out because that was like some kind of picked off the floor opinion that I saw on the internet. Um, All right, well, my, we'll my... back to you, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> what is your projection? <laughs> what do you think they've got in the wings? What is a good counter well, to the his tank? 
as a classified vehicle and something that isn't too big, I mean, the Dragonfly really does make sense. Mm. Like, I, I wouldn't be a Jeep. A Jeep feels like it would be too small, too cheap. Um, I think it's definitely. But now that you've something. now that you've said Dragonfly, like I really can't think of anything else. I mean, that's shocks big, too that's small. That's too big like counter would be the big counter to that. Rob is is if it was a classified vamp, the towable weapons would be the unlocks. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah. smart. And that's they one haven't thing done that we... a clutch yet. Yep, and they've proven that they can do they that. Haven't kind done of a wobble yet. That's yes, but they have. They have done a cover girl, which then, to my mind, takes the Wolverine off the table, because mm. she would have surely have been the unlockable figure or the included figure in the base offering. So and I think maybe maybe there was only a, a chat of the Wolverine, and they they then kind of said no, let's not do the Wolverine. But we've already done all this prep work on the classified cover girl figure, so let's let's move that through production. That's how I don't know. My speculation stitches it up in my head. And I don't think it'll be a tank because I, th- I think a tank is too generic. It has to be something mm. that is G.I. Joe. I mean, sure. th- thankfully on the Cobra side, it's quite easy. Almost all of it is iconic and, you know, identifiable as a Hasbro Cobra vehicle. APC? Or is that just too silly? <laughs> no, that's that's just too boring, I think. Just as a, as a, <laughs> a high-impact release, I feel it's too boring. Personally, I know a lot of people have love for the APC, it's cool, but let's be honest, it's not as exciting as a vamp. Um, at least not on paper. Um, mm. I, I think it's a vamp, personally. Right. Um, and, and I think it's a vamp because vamp at classified scale is not too big of a vehicle, but there's a lot of cool things they could do to it to make it very interesting. You know, they could make they could make it that you could change out the back, you know, to change out the weapon. So maybe you could have the the, the gun you can have a change out to the rocket launchers or at least you kind of got a a weapon that's already been done so that it can do the cobra um, version of it as well which we all know is stinger um so you got that and then steve you actually dropped a very cool one towable weapons uh, you know the classified line has proven that they can do cool small vehicles i mean look at scrap irons rocket launching platform Holy that's hell. coming out looks really amazing so like that kind of engineering in a towable weapon awesome you know mm. that's going to be cool. Yeah, I was I was holy helling because that is an extremely well engineered, lovely piece. I mean, if it yeah. if it doesn't, assuming it doesn't fall apart on your desk, um, it <laughs> almost, almost makes me look at old scrap iron vintage version with a bit of contempt. I'm like, yeah, how how does he get that thing around? You know, no. is he always having to kind of hop Picks out of the vehicle, up. set it up? He picks yeah. it up. I mean, in the comic book, they hand waved it by having it like a, a hand portable rocket launcher. That's how he, you know, kills the soft monster and, and blows up Billy. Um, spoiler for a 35 year old comic book. Um, but yeah, it's it's so cool to make it a tracked separate piece that he's like r- remote controlling. That's brilliant. Really, really good. It- there is a member here in our chat whose opinion I value very highly when it comes to some of the speculation. <laughs> Just one. Just one. <laughs> I mean, like, no, no, no. The reason I value... Guys, we his, love you all. Yeah, Ed. but the reason I value his speculation is because he actually does know a lot of what's going on, like, for real. <laughs> and the reason I'm not name-dropping him is because I don't want people bugging him on finding him on Facebook and going, oh, my word, you know, tell us more about this. But 
Yeah, he said one or two things, and I'm inclined to well agree with him because he's normally quite on the money with that stuff. So, well, what um, about Cam's opinions? <clears throat> Snowcat, there was a little red herring. Well, I believe it's a red herring. Um, one of the communiques, sort of in character, the mm. the deep cover operative called Agent Longfellow. Um, that's a sort of an internal code name, I guess. Probably chuckles. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe quick, quick. Uh, but he says the cat's out <laughs> of the bag. Not lady. And... <laughs> yeah. Definitely not Lady Tail Scarlet. Man, Jay Longfellow, <laughs> hilarious. Um, but uh, but the the language used was the cat's out of the bag. So that sent a few people spinning off in various directions, thinking mm, maybe it is a snow cat, which would fit the kind of the scaling of mm. uh, the classified hiss. Um. But it's once again, Paul. I'm going to use your term. It doesn't have the same impact because uh, it has that immediate limitation on it as being a coded Arctic vehicle. If you want something to for go sure, toe -toe but it's very in any environment, though. that's the only yes, thing. True. It's that's and a it's an astoundingly vehicle. good vehicle, but perhaps not one that you can lead with. You need something mm, yeah. more pliable. Um, but but in terms of pliable options. The, the chats have been exploding. I'm going to list a few here. MCDJ, ACDC, or Striker, in my opinion. <laughs> GI That's Gary. The tank car with heavy metal. Now, if you're scratching your head, the tank car was a, a pull-back-and-go motorized vehicle pack from 1988, <laughs> <laughs> which is basically like a kiddie cart. So, <laughs> funny suggestion, GI Gary. Great fun. Um, Ryan says the dragonfly. Excellent suggestion, Ryan. Um, <laughs> G.I. Gary counters the vamp by asking, will Clutch's head stick above the vamp roll bar at classified scale? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yep. So, um, oh, and possibly a silver mirage using the current motorcycle mold already. Mm, yeah, no, that would be a cheap out option to have that as a Haslab. They give you two of them then, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, I, I'm liking, I like Dragonfly. I think that's a good option. I think now that you've explained Vamp with um, towable things, that definitely is something you could un unlock till, you know, forever. <laughs> you know, How you just keep adding the, uh, more towable that... things. It would be cool if you could add tow, the tow, the towable things could tow more towable things. So you could just link them all <laughs> up. This is one Vamp towing. <laughs> the G.I. Joe train. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be cool. Um, <laughs> well, I guess let's um, cap this off with a musical rendition. Um, Rob, would you like to sing the lyrics that uh, G.I. Gary has put on screen? Oh, my goodness. Dead in the water, a toy land in limbo. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of um, smoke on the water. Oh, I was just going to follow up with another Snake Eyes finger, uh, another Snake Eyes figure, Guns Akimbo. But that's just okay. <laughs> Good. Jeez, Paul, you're spinning the rhymes uh, uh, off the cuff. Uh, I'm not yeah, word folklore, bro. Dead in the water, a toy line in limbo. <laughs> okay, there you go. No, no. That's what I was thinking. We are here and we are doing rereads and rewatches of classic cartoons week to week. Yes, thanks for the lyrics, G.I. Gary. Um, month and, to month, day to month day. To month. And, uh, and it has kind of put a bit of pep in my step 
because not only are we doing the old stuff, but we're doing the most recent stuff as well alongside it. It's, it's been a fun little exercise. Um, for this week's mission, the guys were tasked with reading for the first time issues 291 Ever. to 295, uh, which is a five-part <laughs> mini-arc called High Stakes. That's the High IDW, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero series by Larry Harmer. And I am curious, gents, did you manage to read these five issues, Paul? <laughs> well, it's just one <laughs> issue that's really just been thinned out over five, to be fair. It's like one. Ooh, <laughs> he's coming in hot with the critique. Wow. Sorry. It's just. Wow. And also, like, it feels like they're retreading a lot of stuff from the first issue of G.I. Joe. The oh, Doomsday, the train. the train. Yeah. Okay. I feel like. Like Larry Homer's uh, leaning on on stuff he thinks is a cool idea and forgot he realized it was a cool idea. So trying to make it a cool idea again. Trains which, are freaking awesome. It's still dude, the, it, it's the best part of that whole story arc. <laughs> exactly. In his defense, it's actually the coolest part of that that arc. Um, so yeah, it it's okay. I mean, nothing really poignant gets told. Uh, we've got characters going from A to B. We've got a whole bunch of boring panels full of Cobra's freaking casino and bunch of talky shit that doesn't really matter um yeah that would be how i felt about that arc is it better than what comes afterwards um it's definitely the red flag uh, for what's coming afterwards like if you read that and you were already like your opinion was already that oh wow i hope this gets better uh well i'm sorry it didn't <laughs> for those of you in the future um or in the past, or whoever well, you are my favorite things this. with this arc. Let's not get Every... ahead of ourselves. Uh, Rob, <laughs> won't you give us a, give us your opinion on what the events of this five-issue arc were? Kick us off. Okay, so randomly they're on a train that has nothing to do with anything else, um, and <laughs> Cobra is setting up a a, uh, a casino on Cobra Island, and Jojo needs to know, like, what is the story with the casino? Where are they going with this? Um, and wh while while they're trying to investigate that, we also get a lot of information about um, the bat guys and revenge and all of that. And we also discover that Cobra, not Cobra Commander, Cobra Commander is useless. He's not doing anything. Um, <laughs> Mindbender is kind of uh, resurrecting his uh, his programs that he's he's always had going, but now he can kind of has a, a, an opportunity to to get back to them. So he's he's trying to uh, or bring back to life uh, a version of Serpentor, which he hopes will be a more superior version of Serpentor, um, as well control. as <laughs> that he can control, as well as um, his own version of Snake Eyes, or at least a Cobra version of Snake Eyes. Mm. And in order to do that, he needs to capture Snake Eyes, subject him to this process, which will then kill the original Snake Eyes, and then give him the ability to create a an, a clone army of Snake Eyes. Yes. <sighs> They're really leaning into Snake Eyes as this godlike character. And mm. the ultimate. And leaning into that, that's that's one of G.I. Joe's like main maladies. But mm -hmm. this really just kind of makes it a plot point that Snake Eyes is some kind of unkillable myth. I guess it's with some irony that we as the reader, or at least we should, know that this isn't the real Snake Eyes. That the real Snake Eyes is, in fact, dead. 
the EG. Yeah, and we do know that. At, le at least I think you really that you get that point given to you in this story arc. It wasn't confirmed in the in later story arcs that we've read so far, or at least the next story arc. But this one definitely does straight out say, you know, Snake Eyes is dead, so he must I'm he's obviously died at some point before this. Well, I'm going to fight you on that slightly because you know the insistence on calling Sean Collins Snake Eyes Sean and not Snake Eyes. I think is deliberate to stop the reader from being confused at any point. Yeah. Like, like Scarlet does things that she in, I mean, I'm using inside info because I have read the entire series of G.I. Joe comics. Um, <laughs> th there is a plot point that like Scarlet's like, we need to keep the Sean Collins identity a secret from everyone because we mm. need people. We need Cobra to believe that Snake Eyes never died. Yeah, and they yet, do touch on that in this arc too. Oh, do they? Okay, because yeah, they in com in combat, Scarlet is the the quickest one to always reference Sean Collins as Sean and not Snake Eyes. So she's breaking <laughs> her own illusion. But I think mm -hmm. that's actually Larry just saying to the reader, "Don't forget, this is not the real Snake Eyes. Mm. I'm not Sean trying Collins to hoodwink anyone's." So yes, it, it, it's a kind of a meta reason. Mm. At least that's my justification. No, well, that then, makes sense. Yeah. That tracks. Well, because for a long, for a long time, I wagged the finger at this book, saying, "Why, why is the writing always calling him Sean when they're trying to keep up this pretense?" But it's it's for our benefits. It's a constant reminder to the reader, mm. the same as in every single issue, two ninety one, two ninety two, two ninety five. Laura has to ask Doctor Minder what he's doing, and Doctor <laughs> Minder has to explain himself <laughs> every single time. Every time you see them together, that's literally all he is doing. Is he's he's saying, "I have, I am, my plans are working. I have these tubes, and I have the memories, and I have the brain scanner." But Doctor Mindbender, what are you doing? Well, I have these tubes, and I have my brain scanner, and I'm bringing <laughs> Japan back, and I have, I want to create evil snake eyes. But Doctor Mindbender, what are you doing? Well, I have this brain scanner, and I have these. <laughs> okay, okay. No, all but right. but Rob's right. And guys, doesn't that remind you? Okay, and inside, I'll give uh, our listeners some insight. Uh, in South Africa, we had this, uh, I think it was, was a Kidio that had this on it, where mm. there was this like duo for that had science, and it was like, you know, the, the one the one lady character, I think she was like a piggy or something, and there was this like a scientist, they were both like, you know, puppets that had hands up their asses and they were talking and shit. And then the one, the, the woman would always be like, Dr. Boggles, what are we doing today? It's like, ah, we're going to have new experiences. Because that's what he would call like experiments. And that's exactly <laughs> what is echoed for me in this and in that like repetition, that that rhythm rhythm that comes through with the with this type of storytelling. It's like, what are which, we doing which, today? You I know? can understand you doing that if you want to remind readers of mm. you know something that maybe um they might have forgotten about the from the previous month, because it is a comic book coming up monthly. But that is the purpose. You can't do that, that style of, of reminding readers when you have a, a um, recap page at the front of every single issue. You have to do one or the other. You can't have a recap page and then have the style of your storytelling recapping the story for the reader as they're reading it. Yeah. It's, it feels it's redundant. Yeah. It's just it's one tedious. or the other. Because, I mean, I think that's often... Why I always feel like, especially in the '90s and '80s, you can you can literally pick up any issue of a comic book, and be caught up and 
and enjoy that story on its own because the story itself would e- explain itself most of the time fairly subtly you know we kind of or, or very uh, blatantly catch you up so that you can enjoy the issue as a standalone thing but mm. with the advent of recap pages you don't have to tell stories that way you know since like the the early 2000s i mean especially i think marvel no. picked it up first dc kind of introduced it and now most companies or the big ones seem to do it too if you're a recap page you don't have to do that in every single issue and can you imagine reading this i mean you don't have to imagine we did it you've read this mm-hmm. entire story arc which would be sold in a graphic novel you'd read that entire oh story God. in one run yeah. it'd be yeah. awful it and it was yeah. it was very annoying to have that reminder every single issue um, <laughs> rob read the recap and the comic book good man and the comic book so do you think is there a meta reason there is 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 there not enough plot for the number of issues that lay before larry i think it's true it's true what paul said i think it it is stretched out quite quite a lot across those these five six issues what one two three four five six issues um can you believe that we've been in the same location effectively for 10 issues of of comic book yeah That's absolutely unheard of. In, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's been the key and, location and everything has been ancillary to the Cobra Casino. And in fact, and not even the Cobra Casino, that lab. It's just like Cobra hasn't moved from that spot. And also, like, it kind of breaks uh, one of Larry Harmer's rules that he likes to talk about quite a lot is how comic books shouldn't be like so super... Oh, okay, rules, maybe not the thing, but he does expose this uh, quite a bit in that he says... You know, comics are supposed to always be moving. Um, at least that's always been his style of storytelling. So he doesn't like talking heads too much or major static, you know, moments where there's too much dialogue between two or three or five characters. And somehow he's just managed to lock these guys in like this like vortex or this this time crunch. And it's just very weird to have Larry write like that. It's 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 odd. I mean that that's me being like kind of like super critical on a high you know level thing um but i do want to just shine some light on some of the positives because you know it is easy to be negative about stuff it is easy to point out the flaws and things like that you know and and as human beings we tend to do that easier than finding the the good stuff and there's a lot of great art in these books um, oh galant and- is absolutely incredible his action is always on point Totally. And so much so, it's so much better than what comes afterwards somehow. It's just tighter. It feels tighter. Composition on these panels is better. It's like, yeah, the story might not be that interesting and we're not moving very much in the story from one place to another, but they're very interesting panels. They're cool looking panels. This this is like great portfolio work. Like if, if I was like, if I say like, if I, I mean, I don't mean like me as an artist, just like, you know, if I was like a young comic book artist and I'd worked on this page and I had um, the art director or had Larry like, you know, directing how these panels go, uh, these would be great. Some of, some of these pages would be great portfolio pages because they, they carry a lot of action. They carry a lot of smart design in the panels and in the reading flow. And it's cool. You know, like I enjoyed that stuff a lot. And I liked a lot of the dynamic poses and the characters as well. Uh, it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty book which is just sad because it's like you take it out for dinner and you realize it's just a pretty book it's not a smart book <laughs> you know and that's the sad thing um you know 
also i've got a bit of a you know what if kind of thing and i also think instead of like trying to stretch this moment over five books or over 10 books um we could have had a lot more interesting insight uh into some some of the character memory stuff so they they kind of opened up this arc with snake eyes's memories from vietnam mm-hmm. um and i thought that i i know when that happened i remember the internet was very excited about this they were like this is the best thing they've read in the new books in the last 30 issues or something which i think is a little bit like it's a little bit uh, dramatic to be fair but yeah it was cool but then it got me thinking like well it would have been interesting to see some other stuff with certain characters you know and then have some of these like you know maybe give us like like reward us as longtime gi joe fans by giving us insight into stuff something new these moments. yeah something new well, give us, reward i us, think you know? the internet uh, exploded um over an issue of untold tales which we are going to get into in the next next five issues because we we are reading in case you uh, weren't aware listener we're reading the modern gi joe series in reverse we started oh, with yeah. all in we're now doing high stakes and okay. next up i think will be untold tales where yes we do get an extended period an entire issues worth of time spent in vietnam with a new story uh, or, or basically untold aspects well, that's of cool. the classic I mean, story. The, the concept so that's what the of internet Dawn, about, Paul. Um, yeah, okay. Well, the concept of Dawn kind of having these little like memory breaks was was interesting. Um, if we could have it's just the most interesting more. part of it. I love that. I'm less enamored with the fact that like she figures she can quick fix herself by jumping into the brainwave scanner and and like moving the files over. You know, copy delete, <laughs> <laughs> moving them onto Sean. It's like. Uh, but the idea of Dawn having this this warring personality inside her needing expression, it's interesting, not least of all because she starts having a kind of a romantic sense for Scarlet. Mm. She does flashbacks Uh-oh. to the time when Snake Eyes and Scarlet were on the, the Staten Island ferry, mm. you know, getting attacked by Crimson Guards. I mean, what could be more romantic? <laughs> That was issue 36, All Ships at Sea. Ah, when you're good, you're good. Um, anyway, uh, that that was an interesting dimension to the character. Mm. That, like, Snake Eyes is inside her, and it's it, it could potentially eclipse her own personality. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting to kind of see the, these con- conflicting emotions. Um, yeah, so that, that would be cool to explore that of- more. Why don't they give us a spin-off Dawn run? You know, that could be fun. Anyway, well, you know, do, maybe do they, the thing. they really did it. Um, Guys? Paul? Oh, Sorry, Rob. This is, uh, this is a Dawn and, and Sean kind of palaver. Those characters are always pushed to the fore. I don't know if yeah, a true. spin-off... Like, Dawn in her introduction... Um, Dawn of the Arusha Kage... Or sorry, not her introduction, but her kind of a acceptance into the G.I. Joe team... And they do go off and do stuff in Japan. And, you know, she does a kind of a an origin story and a kind of a who am I story. Uh, it so also serves to, I think... It just hasn't happened for me in Paul yet. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, yeah, you, Robert, you're going to get, get some Dawn. Don't worry. I cut uh, you off, my guy. Sorry, man. Oh, no, no, um, not at all. Um, I was just going to say probably my favorite part of the comic book is actually just the visual of them using bats to do menial tasks at the casino. 
<laughs> I thought that was was really funny. They kind of like dress them up in like coats and shit, and they're working in the kitchen. They're making the food. They're moving stuff around, and I just thought that was funny. That's probably my favorite idea from this entire story arc was just seeing bats like you know making food for people. I thought that was really funny. And these are femme bats. These are like very, but not just them though. They use actual bats. females. Yeah, no, oh. the femme bats, but but the actual bats were used in several of those panels. If I remember correctly, uh, like in in the yes. background, I do recall looking at those panels and thinking, "Oh, I think SL Gallant was using a 25th anniversary bat as his reference because ah. it's got that additional detail on the back that's picked out in silver." Um, yeah, so I thought cool. that was a really cool detail. They kind of like just peopled them around, essentially. Um, cool observation. Yeah, it's probably my favorite thing about the whole. Story I totally feel like we've <laughs> spoken about this comic way too much now. Oh, more <laughs> highs and lows and lifter, but yeah. <laughs> Actually, we'll skip the highs and lows. I feel like we canvassed them. Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but I just I mean, gave if, my... if, if there is an individual high point or an individual low point, uh, feel free to shout it out before you're reading. I mean, you're rating. You're reading. Well, you're reading. The, 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 the train scene was my high point, and I really enjoyed yeah. the the uh yeah the use of bats in the background um same low point was just having it i mean like here yeah laura asking dr Bymander again what are you doing oh well these are my experiences and my brain scanners what are you doing this is what i'm doing i mean every single issue is just stuck there um yeah I, i didn't enjoy this arc at all and and it's kind of like lackluster as like a way to build up to the next part of the story it's like oh so this is how they got there that's boring i'm gonna give it a two this entire (laughs) like really boring and for me admittedly it started off as like a strong three and it kind of became a two uh by the end of the arc because i just felt like i felt like i'd read the same thing three times that's kind of what it felt like to me yeah so well, then I'm going to go with you guys and give it a two across the board. Um, because I am, I am, I am, I'm just a, a cipher. I'm basically you. I'm guiding <laughs> you through this this journey backwards in time. We've oh, only got so, up, right? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I initially like the high point for me being uh, Dawn's crisis of 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 memory and of of personality was interesting and needed more teasing out but just the running in place hurts this arc man yeah they didn't explore um, that enough like it, it starts out strong but then it kind of goes into the um it into like the recycle whatever, mode like, yeah and he zone. needs to get to the next thing next essentially it's mm-hmm. as if the shadow of 300 loomed so large that for at mm. least 10 issues preceding it we were dealing with with setup, and there just wasn't yeah. enough setup for ten year. issues worth. It's yeah. a year of him being like, "What do I do with these ten issues? I know you want to end at three hundred, but I, I and don't you've have got an idea for where you want to get to by then. But like, really, there are too many steps, um, and not enough material and to, to to donate to each step. Uh, and that's to very counter to his style him. as well. Yeah, mm. is it? I don't know. Well, that's yeah, what he says. Look, he he likes to write blind, you know, and and have things happen as they happen. So he doesn't yeah. plan out his arcs. So 
I think we've seen Maybe, perhaps an, yeah. a rare instance of where he had an idea of where he wanted to end 300 on and having to then just fill in the steps, which is not perhaps Larry's strong suit. It's yeah. better to be organic and just see where this whirlwind of storytelling winds up. Because otherwise you do get the situation where you are stagnating for 10 issues, uh, waiting to drop your kind of your major beats. Anyhow, let's move on to some cartoons. I tossed you guys with with watching Renegades, uh, episode five. The package. I forget what it was entitled. The package, yes. The package. The package. The package. Cobra is Amazon in this episode. They (laughs) are a massive (laughs) mail order service called S Market. They've got a warehouse. And delivery trucks. <laughs> they, market. Want, they want to send a package to Elvin Kibby, aka the Coyote. Oh. G.I. Joe intercept the package, determine that it's a bomb, and enlist it's a bomb! aid in Town <laughs> Cobra. It's a bomb! Elvin is a former employee at Smart, now working as a shop college smart, professor. Smart. And Apparently, clearly voiced can... by John Oliver. I don't know if you know John Oliver from the... Uh, yes. John Oliver show. The Last show, Week Tonight with John Oliver. Last Week Tonight. Sounds, yeah. sounds just like him. Anyway, so they're trying to enlist his aid to crack the code of this scanning device to try and basically uh, implicate Cobra in a massive arms smuggling operation. Because yes, Amazon is used to sell guns and bombs and bio-vipers. And move That's them around what I've the been buying from them. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. But uh, throw throw one particular one-eyed mercenary into the mix, and you've got quite a thrilling little little renegade story. I don't know. Well, Paul, what two-eyed Rob, what until the end of his origin story. Oh, I think overall, down. yeah, this is his origin story. So we get introduced to Blood, and by the end of the episode, he wants revenge on them for blowing up a factory in his face. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed this episode. It was, it, it was pretty... It by the by the numbers, but it was still a lot of fun to watch as it went along. It kind of opens with action. They're being chased. Um... <laughs> nice, Zentara. Zentara comments. Right it's an yeah. episode about mail order service called The Package. Sounds smutty. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. As you were saying, Rob. Well, I think overall it's a fun episode. I mean, it starts on action. I mean, there's hardly hardly any downtime, but when you get downtime, it's more just to um, catch your breath, essentially. You know, they kind of go and meet with him in his in his um, dorm room, and <laughs> and then we get back to the action after that. Um, overall, yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, some nitpicks that I have, um, I found it fascinating that Duke has explosives expertise, but Tolerat does not. Yes, thank you. That annoyed the shit out of me. That was probably the, the biggest thing that I was irritated by was that they have the package they're like, oh, Isaac, it's explosive. And Duke's like, I gotta uh, deactivate the, the thing. And Tonner is like, oh, God, whoa, wow. And then it was a Duke's... weird moment, man. Yeah, yeah. Tonner like... not stepping up to the plate with any kind of explosive knowledge. Duke being the Boy Scout. Like, the did the writers not have access to the Farcars? Did they not bother to research that far? And the, action, oh. and the action figure comes with an oh, ERD robot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, totally. 
and yeah. and also like roadblock in that block. scene is kind of weirdly written because okay there's a bomb in your vehicle that should have everyone's attention straight away but scarlet mm. like duke wants roadblock's gum because he wants to i suppose fix it on a certain point in the bomb and keep it from blowing up and roadblock's like huh he's like aloof scarlet has yeah, he, he holds really up the wrapper he's like what do you want duke um and scarlet has to reach <laughs> into his mouth and grab the gum because scarlet knows a bit of, about explosives whereas roadblock and and uh, tunnel rider in the dark apparently and i just thought yeah. no man that is that is strange strange little passage firstly tunnel Rider having no explosives training is one thing but roadblock like being in a bit of a dwell and that's um south african slang for he's just kind of do, 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 looking out the window no. not really focused on what's going on and, and scarlet's like hello give him the gum Weird. Do yeah. it. So that was a funny so moment. Um, I really well. enjoyed the fight between Blood and Snake Eyes. Although that yes. was really cool on the uh, flag-sized top of the, the, <laughs> of the, the vehicle. Yeah. Cobra X two. It was a very cool fight scene. Like other than me noticing that the the top of the truck was suddenly the size of a football field. Um, it's amazing what a camera that, lens does, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Blood very gets cool. bested in that fight simply because roadblock is able to trip him up with the sort of gun turret mm. yeah but then they have a rematch later snake eyes and blood in the warehouse and snake eyes is bested yeah he loses he loses yeah he's Which like cool. left bloody and on the ground after that explosion and bald <laughs> he's not invincible that's also a cool thing about this episode you know, you get to see it's not him being more vulnerable, but him not being completely invincible. Yeah. And he's know, blood, yeah. blood meets him toe to toe. Like blood, like Snake Eyes obviously pulls hand to hand weapons, like a sword on the, the, the top of the vehicle. And blood pulls out a, well, he calls it his pig sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so they go toe to toe with blades. And I'm like, blood is fighting Snake Eyes to a standstill. This is awesome. It is awesome. It's yeah, a lot then, of fun, and it's freaky. And also, like, n- like let's not forget Blood's awesome car. Oh, they definitely gave Thunder Machine vibes to Major Blood. Uh, that's so cool. <laughs> we couldn't waste Why this we vehicle get on the boring ass Dreadnoughts. Let's give this souped up muscle car with like rocket packs to Blood. Brilliant. So the but the then one... he destroys. He wastes it. Like his big plan it, is to rear end like ram an armored car okay because the mm. armor sleeve had kind of come down that this this mm. um whip this vehicle this cobra truck can kind of go full-on mobile assault command mobile armored assault huh? is it armored mask <laughs> basically it can kind of engage the uh, shields and uh, has a top turret and major blood decides okay i'm gonna hit the nos canister and ram this thing and then eject a seat onto the top of it like major blood is the baddest he is, he is so cool in this Very i really cool. enjoyed him a lot i think so you guys this also highlights like the one low point i have for this episode and then also a big question that uh, i feel doesn't get answered properly and also like my pet peeve without uh, throughout the entire run is that Cobra APC that they're driving around in that van 
It's mm-hmm. like Knight Rider, or it's like Kit. I reckon you know, that that thing's like Kit. And it, it exactly, it and it just me- technology to allow it to change its, I suppose, paint job. It doesn't yeah. really do anything to to change the like the make and model and shape of the vehicle. But yeah, it can kind of adopt a different skin. So like that's fun. I just feel like. And that's you know, enough to fool Flint. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't hide a truck like that in plain sight. It's like, uh, they just well, you know, well, they just like gave half a, a dozen of those trucks. Why didn't you just check every single truck that looks so, like it? It's like the thing, old adage when like a, a vehicle needs to lose the cops, so it goes into like a spray shop and comes out and <laughs> oh, it's a different vehicle. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, baby. There you <laughs> but, go. Um, but but the thing that bugs me about it is that if I, if I was a kid and I was looking at this and, and kind of going, well, you know, like, you know how it is in South Africa, we would often see the toys on the shelves and then the cartoon would come out. And I'm sure it's like that in the States as well. Maybe it's a bit better timed, but I, and, and imagine like, I was like, <clears throat> I had all of the pocket money in the world and I could actually buy that first wave up. I would probably just skip over getting the APC maybe in thinking, oh, that's kind of a boring bad guy vehicle. And then you actually find out, no, it's the kit of the series. You know, it does this and that. And the next thing, it's so freaking amazing. Um, it's so freaking amazing that Cobra can't even like lock onto a geolocation device on the vehicle itself and disable it. But whatever. I don't know why Cobra has just never done that. Why they don't just track the vehicle if they want to but find these guys. It's their vehicle. You know? At one point, there's a plot point that uh, Kibby accidentally triggers it, and that's how Baroness is able to guide Blood to intercept back the to them. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. But, but you, you, I think Paul, you're hinting at like maybe Cobra should have also had like an automatic lockout system. Yep. Yeah, the thing but is, you pretty could remotely advanced. switch it off. Mm. And also, Major Blood could have hacked that vehicle. He could have like gone behind them, hacked it, locked it down, and still done his whole ram it into its ass thing and flip over and shoot stuff. You know, I just, I, I just feel like there's like, you know, Cobra is this huge like organization in the series that is so technologically superior and has this, that, and the next thing. But yet everybody that tries to stop the Joes behaves like a barbarian. They don't use that technology to their, to their like sort of advantage. It's weird. It's the weirdest thing. And another observation, and I'm sorry, I'm fast forwarding a little bit now, but another observation I want to make. I don't know why this didn't really bug me so much uh, when it originally came out. And I think it's just because I wanted the show to succeed, you know, as a lot of us did uh, possibly because we wanted, we just were just so hungry for GI Joe to do well uh, as we are still now to greater or lesser degree, but the gel like for older, older and jaded. Now we're like, but the bio vipers, <laughs> I, I feel like the bio vipers are just weirdly ahead of their time because and hear me out i think it's a good concept i just think that's one of the reasons that this has subconsciously this is one of the reasons it's failed because if you try to like think about the severity of these things they're actually quite nasty like it's a really cool concept you can make horror movies based on these things you could make these as great sci-fi villains in a sci-fi movie just somehow they're not hitting the right notes in this series. Like, I feel like they should have just been robots. Yes, it would have been more sort of primitive in a lot of ways, but 
I feel like it would have been more tactile and somehow more enjoyable for viewers. Seeing uh, gelatinous blue baddies on screen doesn't feel like GI Joe. Sure, yeah, it's I not get exciting. You. I get you, Paul, mm. and um, it does kind of make it feel Ben Tennish. Mm. It feels like a different cartoon when I'm watching them getting splattered and blow apart. I mean, maybe it's easy to animate. Certainly, like technical detail, mechanical detail, exploding is perhaps okay. more of a draw on 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 animators' resources than just having a kind of flat blue splatter on screen. Agreed, but Maybe they do that's... use a lot of CG in this show, so true, they could have true, just true. made them 3D models. So hmm. that's the other okay. thing. I mean, yeah, no, they I, do I, the 3D I, I model thing that well. Mm. That, that blue, blue goo does not a interesting baddie make. Mm. But it is interesting that they are shipping them across the country because this Amazon front... S market has them like boxed up in containers at one point and maybe mm. kind of explodes the containers and out pop the bio vipers to assault the Joes. Which is, that's, it's that's also interesting because by the fifth episode, they've obviously worked out a lot of the kinks that were a, mm. an issue with them in the, in the two parter. Cause now they, they kind now of have, have like humanoid a design on their face and, and yeah. they keep weapons like internally. They each kind of pull out a gun out of their sort of mess. Hmm. And the guns look a lot like um, the launchers that you got for the nano weapons in Rise of Cobra. Yes, like occasionally yeah. you'd get a figure that had a, <laughs> a gun that you could put one of those little translucent green nano bombs into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, anyway, that's beside the point. Fun. That's neither here nor there. Um, did you notice that uh, Tunnel Rat wielded gun chakas? Hey, Paul. A kind yeah. of an over and under barrel. And he was kind of yep. holding it in the middle. Very, very Star Lord. Um, yeah. And it was kind of firing up very both top and bottom. <laughs> yes, recoil. Yeah. That was exactly what yeah. I thought of when I saw him shoot that. Yeah, cool, man. Um, but overall, like, I really enjoyed it. And I think, I, I, th I don't guys, I think we're ready to get into our highs and lows of this episode. For sure. Right. I have one more question. Do you imagine there was, there was a brief in the writer's room at the outset of the show that every episode needed an A-team sequence. Because here it's, it feels kind of forced. The, the Joes are yes. low on ammo. They're skulking through, the, I suppose, the, the storefront of this S market. And they've yep. got, like, camping goods and, mm -hmm. uh, like, a, a ball shooter, like, for a batting cage. Um, yep. At one point, Duke fires a, an arrow, a flaming arrow, and, and hits, I don't know, a canister explodes yeah in my <laughs> mind it's the home alone thing but yeah totally that's almost a team moment it, yeah come on paul surely home alone is is less prominent than than the a team reference yeah but yeah. i didn't watch that much i mean yes and i mean in my mind like i said it just always rings true of home alone booby trapping blah 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 but yes it is the a team thing very much so and it's always that i love it when a good plan comes together kind of thing you know so it is that. It's exactly that. I mean, we had that in the last episode as well. So very deliberate. It is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Teaching the town how to how to fight back. I do have an observation, and I'm going to wonder how many times this particular trope will play out. So, in the previous episode, what the kind of sheriff of the town needed in order to kind of win the fight against Sartan was was Scarlet stepping in and saying, "No, he's got this." And then in this episode, Kibby sits down at the sort of Cobra computer and he's like trying to hack the code. He's like, oh, I can't do this. Hack the and Gibson. Scott's like, 
you can do this because I believe in you. And then oh. the very next attempt, he, he cracks the code. I got a <laughs> cool. boner and I can hack better. What happened? <laughs> like, I'm starting to see an, an, an uneasy little, like almost rabbit's foot that all you need to succeed in life is like a hot chick saying, you can I do believe. it. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> you can do we'll it. We'll see how how many more instances where Scarlet is the kind of the the overpowering, I don't know, force. Muse. Uh, yeah, the muse. Very good. Kind of just whispering yeah. in in these techies ears. And Kibby, like the end feels uh, very contrived. Like Kibby's like, okay, I need to go and hide it now. My life is over. He seems pretty upbeat about it. It's an opportunity to turn over a new leaf. I'm like, okay, you, you're just going to have to leave your job at the university, the, the, the Desert University, I believe it's called. Interesting. Yeah, good lord. Um, and, and go on the run because Cobra now wants you dead. I mean, they wanted you dead before you hooked up with the G.I. Joes or the, the Renegades. Now you're definitely on their hit list. Um, yeah. And then they kind of, I, I shudder to think, but I don't think he's a recurring character. I think they leave him behind. It's like, cheers, sort yourself out. Now you're a breaker. Now you're a yeah, breaker, but also life. coyote. Well, they take the coyote flag of his backpack and attach it to the vehicle, which now is called the coyote, I presume. Ah, it's definitely mm. going to be much easier to camouflage yourself when you have a flag that can't change. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> Do you guys remember the concept case? Where this concept? vehicle was the, the G.I. Joe concept case back in whoa, oh. 2012. Yo, yes, the, uh, well, the Comic Con. That, that whole they vibe. wanted to make this vehicle. I think eventually the tooling, some of the tooling, found its way into Jurassic Park. But yeah, way back when. Wait, am I, am I confusing toy lines? Was it Jurassic Park? Is it, isn't Jurassic Park Mattel? Um, no, but there was that weird cr crossover thing. Um, remember they like did like a like they did these dinosaur kind of spin-off figures for Jurassic maybe, Park or Jurassic World. Maybe they made it into a Marvel toy or something like Captain America wagon. Because yeah. they they wanted to make the coyote, and it was a sweet-looking mock-up or model, whatever they were using in that concept case. But yeah, damn Go dude, on. that's like. I totally forgot about that actually mm. until you put it up now. Damn, it nice. is. Well that was the case that had the 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 fiftieth anniversary. What what became released as the fiftieth anniversary gung ho. So remember, in the twenty fifth anniversary, mm. we had that sort of mm. a bit of a gangly gung ho, and they never really fleshed him out and gave him the bulk he needed until that concept case version, which then was shuffled into the the fiftieth anniversary. And there was yes, a, yeah, the concept a, case. Oh god, yeah. the really amazing Destro, which also became a fiftieth anniversary, and then saw re release in the oh the retro carded collection. Not too long ago, this is a modern Destro. Anyway, I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Clearly, um, yes, let's. I just remembered something. Did you remember Why? something? What did you remember? I did remember I left, something. Uh, the oven's but no, no, no. It's <laughs> it's it's something that refers to our Owen conversation early on, which is why I just want to quickly go back into this episode, and then just list off my highs and lows quickly. Um, my first high is I love that design of Major Blood. So, mm. like, this design has very love it or hate it designs. I feel there's very little middle ground. The Zartan is very much <laughs> a hate it design. But the Major Blood is spot on. Like, I think he is super rad. I'd have loved that toy. I, I, I would have loved... 
I, I still would dig it if Hasbro could find a way to incorporate some of those design elements into a future Major Blood design or a figure. So that was cool. Major Blood's car. I'm sure you guys can see where I'm going with this. Uh, these have been major high points for the episode. And then just generally <laughs> for me, I thought the episode was fun from beginning to end. Despite the weird hokiness, at least it was just fun. It, I mean, there was dumb things. There were things that annoy us as fans, like, you know, um, uh, I nearly called him Tripwire. Uh, things like Tunnel Rat not having his EOD specialty. That kind of thing is, like, really annoying. But, you know, it just disappears into the smoke of everything, and it just ends up still being a fun episode to watch, and certainly better than what we got last week. And I do remember when this came out back in the day, I felt like, yay, this was really cool, and I think everybody was just really excited about this episode. So, yeah, so for me, this one goes back up into the four out of five territory. Wow. Wow. Personally. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that was, that was cool. And yeah, also, Rob, where's cool our one. spreadsheet, man? I I, 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 I've, been, I've been doing this the whole time. <laughs> well, one of these days, you need to bring it up on screen. So, we need to uh, take a look. It check ourselves. Oh, check, 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 it check ourselves before check we wreck ourselves. Out. And you guys. Real highs and lows, dude. My highs and lows, I think the high is that, um, yeah, Major Blood is fucking awesome. I, I like the, uh, the whole episode is fun. It's just, it's action packed. Um, it's a good time overall. Um, yeah, low points are just like nitpicks, essentially. You know, it's like him not having EOD, as Paul said. Um, him becoming Breaker, I was just like, oh, you don't have to give everyone a bloody, you know, nickname the whole time. I thought that mm. that's a bit like forced. Um, mm. But yeah, overall, yeah, I think it's a fun episode. It's it it, it kind of like goes back to being fun, you know, because mm. this action packed from start to finish. It just it just it just feels like a good episode, um, and yeah, actually, I probably enjoyed the most out of the episodes we've had so far. So I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five. Wow, it's my favorite episode of going deep, Rob. What is this nice. called again? The Renegades so far. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, G.I. Joe Renegade, sorry. It's not the... Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. But, Rob, the, the reason they give out the, the code names and the reason it feels so strange and disjointed and, and not earned as a moment is because I believe in season two they were going to go back to each of these accomplices and ask them, do you want to join the G.I. Joe team? We need your expertise. Oh, for sure. I do understand these... it as a long-term thing, but... As you're watching it now, as it's happening, I'm just like, ah, oh, okay. My question to the both of you then is, mm -hmm. does this concept work? This idea that you can draw civilians into G.I. Joe for their special skills. It's, it has a very Paul Aller, G.I. Joe, uh, IDW series flavor to it, in which I think Roadblock wasn't a soldier initially. You know, these are like resistance fighters pulled from society. Mm. But here, why is there a need for a resistance? Is, is Cobra that prolific? I guess we'll find out. Has it taken over the United States? Um, the mind wonders you know, where this could have ultimately have gone. And it's such a tease. Mm. I think I've just answered yeah. my question. That's the only <laughs> conceivable reason why you'd use people from the civilian walks of life is if G.I. Joe was forced to go underground and like fight this battle from within. Flint would obviously join forces. Betty J would be in there. We'd get a few actual 
soldiers, soldiers joining Real the ranks. Yeah. But then the bulk will be made up of guys like Elvin Kitty, aka Breaker, uh, Tech Weenie, and there's hospital people. Who are they? Yeah, the vets. Um, I think it was Steeler. The yeah. one guy probably gave off a bit of a clutch vibe. So they, they snuck in some OG-13s there. So yeah, a bunch of uh, veterans would be also the the bread and butter of this new G.I. Joe unit. Doc. <laughs> Doc, uh, Doc, of Rhea. course. Yeah. He was in episode three. Mm. Yeah, the same one. Rage. Rage. Yeah, Rage. I'm going to give it to three as well. Wow. Yeah, I did not dislike this episode. Cool. Thank you. Very cool. Let's talk about jungle trap but before we get to jungle trap paul's just got something to say and i can't believe i haven't said this in two episodes i feel like such a moron there is talk about mattel and hasbro joining forces to do like crossovers with their toy lines most notably motu and gi joe and also and ninja and ninja turtles but obviously ninja turtles that's with them and playmates toys this is so, speculation at this point. The only it confirmed is stuff was like Bobby, Monopoly, and is it Transformers Uno? It, there you go. So whatever. Transformers Uno, Jesus. I don't know. No, no, I'm, I don't think it's Transformers. I know, but, you're but, just putting, you just putting, yeah. Hasbro but, owns Monopoly, and obviously Mattel is Bobby. So to throw Bobby onto a, a Monopoly box, that's 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 why this is happening, guys. I don't know if we're going to get crossover action figures. No, please, I, please, I know. As an I, academic exercise, go ahead. But yeah, but but chance to dream, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, the thing is, right, a line of GI Joe Motu crossovers would mean that the GI Joe stuff, the Motu stuff, would have to come into the GI Joe scale. And then obviously they would put GI Joe stuff in Motu world as well. So that would be, and maybe maybe that's a future plan for O rings. Maybe maybe Hasbro's sort of saving their load for that. I mean, if it happened, you know, maybe that maybe that's a plan. Maybe that's something they want to do. Because uh, yeah. I can Duke with a massive can, chest and like a furry loincloth. Awesome. Oh hell yeah! yeah. Hey, listen, guys, there's a a very cool ninjor <laughs> from Motu. Is an awesome ninja figure, so I can totally see like Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, uh, sort of in in the motion line. <laughs> I can Smoky see a lot figures. of, I can see a lot of GI Joes being very interesting Motu figures, especially if they lean into the sort of Eternia side of things with some of the weaponry. But I'm more curious to see what happens when the Motu stuff comes into the O Ring side of things, because then we'd have like an O Ring He Man, Skeletor, Man at Arms, etc., and that could be quite a lot of fun. I think. I think that could be really awesome and and a really good way to kind of introduce Motu fans into that world. And I think Paul O-ring is yeah. dead. I know, right? Yeah, I know. But, but that's but that's why I, I I get you. But that is, I mean, nobody is posting mock-ups of classified um, Motu uh, classified styled Motu figures, which to me kind of feels like. You know, everybody wants to be heard on them making them as uh, as O rings to kind of go with the classic uh, classic feel, the classic. Um, that it, it would feel. make more sense because I mean, technically, they already have classified type figures. I mean, yes, they yes. aren't the, to scale to the classified figures, but I mean, especially like the the, the cartoon, you know, the yeah, the Masterverse uh, stuff is, is sort Smith of more yeah, is more modern as it were. Yeah, it's more human in terms of its articulation. Yes. So that's interesting. Emotion. 
Well, um, well have I'm, you ever seen the reaction Master of the Universe figures? If you're curious have to seen, see, yeah, yeah, to see a Skeletor and a, a, a He-Man in GI Joe scale, there, there you go. But I would. I've um, also seen Fantastic Customs, anyone, man. Anyone listening <laughs> to this? Yes, of course. Oring GI yeah. Joe's repainted and remocked up to be Skeletor and He-Man. I think we've all seen so something cool. like that floating on the the internet's. Very cool. Very cool. Lovely to see. I would. Yeah, I'd be very interested in something like that. Um, but if you want some some speculation and some fun uh, banter about this exact topic, I mean, it's funny you should mention it, Paul, but like it was addressed on the most recent Audible Interlude podcast. Ooh. Those three guys, yep, they they uh, they pitched their ideas for like G.I. Joe in Eternia and then vice versa. Eternia kind of collapsed into the G.I. Joe world. Um, and it is, they don't title the episodes, so it's, it's basically called 19 May, 2023, uh, oh, and they don't, do an episode, they don't do an episode description either. So like you really just need uh. a code, punch in the code, 19 May, know. 2023. And that is the episode that, uh, will discuss Motu and Geo. Let's give them a listen. Yeah. Do it, Wild. Some interesting ideas, some stepping far outside the box, like, into space territory box. Word. Oh god, that's where toys go to die. Engine anyway, let's not fall into that trap, mentioned. but instead let's fall into the jungle trap. Yes. Oh, Classic Sunbow oh. episode. The jungle so trap. Good. Guys, the first thing that slapped me right in the face was India. this episode was penned by Paul Dini. Yep. If that name rings a bell, good for you. You, <laughs> you you've, you've Absorbed a little bit of uh, cartoon stuff. Uh, yes, Paul Dini uh, and Bruce Tim co-created the animated Batman series from 1992, yes. which is the, probably the most prominent. Absolute genius! But Paul I'm Dini so glad I share a name with him. <laughs> Paul Dini as a writer for cartoons. Let's let's put it this way: you could probably more easily list. It's a probably a shorter list of cartoons that he hasn't had a hand in than mm. cartoons that he has because his resume reads very long. Um, however, I'm going to say this is my opening remark on Jungle Trap. I feel like this episode could have been written by AI. <laughs> it is the most by-the-numbers G.I. Joe plotline of all time, I think. And that's saying I think a lot it's also his first of... cartoon job, dude. No, he had stuff in the late seventies. That's that's Did where he? he started out. Yeah. Oh wow! I thought he was from the eighties because Bruce Tim Bruce Tim got his start on GI Joe and He Man, and then he basically told Sumbo to f off uh, as I he did with Formation. I, as a tab so, on my mobile, I have his his resume, or at least his his television uh, credits uh, as far as oh, cool. is concerned. The New Adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll from nineteen seventy nine is the first there credits. You know. That they list ever so, he was yeah cool. he was a good five around. years into the industry before he wrote for gi joe um but still i, I mean gi joe isn't his most notable work this is kind of a one-off for him or a couple of episodes a handful of episodes that he wrote and this one as i say feels the, the most generic to me it has um science guy kidnapped kidnapped by cobra Right from under G.I. Joe's nose, in fact. Like, mm -hmm. G.I. Joe basically tracked him down for Cobra. Like, G.I. Joe, in plain sight, is walking through the streets of 
of India, um, right up to this. India, uh, inverted commas. <laughs> and then Cobra pounds. They're like, oh, thanks for tracking him down for us, G.I. Joe. Because Joe is in uniform. Like, Duke's like striding. But, dude, they're kind of there already as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they but were. But Cobra's kind of there already because Zartan's all like, I'll tell you a robot's name. Well, it's, it's, it's really nice that Cobra don't kill them. They're just like, we have what we came for. Cobra, run away. Dead to rights. In the middle of an open courtyard, Cobra can't hit the broad side of a barn. I mean, they just they surrounded G.I. Joe and they caught in a crossfire and nobody gets That's it. a lot of white Anyways, people is... in India. Just putting that out there. The animation is weird in that regard. It's yeah, so they decided to not darken the complexions of the background characters. There's one or two that have a darkened complexion, which is like... Maybe they meant not Indiana. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. But... Ugh. Yeah, generic like, scientist guy who who then doesn't I don't think really has a function because Cobra clearly already has the MacGuffin. They had all the parts, yeah, right? No, but it was like the Vulcan machine. Got the parts. No, I've got, got the vehicle, but together. I need the driver. Uh, <laughs> right, very good. So they needed to yeah. assemble from that ramshackle pile of parts. They needed the scientists yeah, to apparently put the kit yeah. together, and they clearly okay. took that thing from like Teletron. <laughs> pulled it up from like the arc or whatever it is and then yeah because i love how like goofy their stuff is man sorry gi joe plunge just... into the jungle to try and rescue the doctor uh they get shot down from their rattle they get shot down from their dragonflies <laughs> one of them um, being a three-seater swarms of three-seater yeah. three-seater dragonfly yeah. piloted by scarlets and snake eyes and who was in the back seat Ricondo. yeah we're in the back there very cool. It's with some irony that Rakondo becomes the Tiger the Fly driver. pilot yeah. in 1988. <laughs> but anyways, that's uh, we can't think of that. That wasn't in the minds of the writers back in 84, 85. Um, and then, as I say, this very generic kind of sequence plays out where G.I. Joe has to brave the, the perils of this jungle. Snakes and crocs and some man-made perils. Cobra traps like uh, deadfalls and um stakes and kind of a, a, a oh, clearing that has stuff, yeah. has a bunch yeah. of lasers pointed at the center of the clearing which <laughs> Ricardo so ca- catches wise to i really like the fact that when you trip these traps like that one in particular it's not with impunity like it does trigger something in the cobra nerve center because that's often a f- kind of failing of these writings it's like yeah surely if the laser defense system has been activated something's got to go off back at HQ. You can't just yeah, be like... Yeah, somebody's got to know. Either yeah. it zaps the guys or it doesn't. And if they get away scot-free, then then they get away scot-free. So that that was a strength to me, that these actions had consequences. But yeah, I mean, at one point, the Joes are being charged down by a rhinoceros. And <laughs> Ricardo's able to kind of pull them, pull the rhinoceros, well, not pull physically, <laughs> but like distract the rhinoceros and have it plunge off a cliff. Into a swim, river. Rhino. Hey, funny yep. stuff. It's, it's the poor rhino. I mean, shame. <laughs> and of and the high a, disguise, a disguise sequence where they they capture a um, water moccasin. Oh, that was very cool. Blue shirts, uniforms. Yeah. But once again, just absolutely by the numbers, G.I. Joe writing. I'm going to stop hopping on that. Guys, do you think Ricondo was actually the leader of this mission? It felt yeah. like it to me. 
it definitely was the most focus. Uh, uh, the character. Was I don't the most think he focused, was the leader, yeah. but he he obviously knew the most about being in a jungle. So they kind of yeah. Like this was his episode. Lead them through there. Yeah. Duke I think, was I think there, still in charge. But Duke really took a backseat towards the end. Like once we yeah. were into the jungle sequences, it was Rakondo's show all the way. Like the Duke jungle. stopped. I don't think he gave a single order. And you know, like when his dragonfly got shot down, that was it. Duke became just a, 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 a placeholder. Another grunt, yeah. And, and the reason, like the moment, guy. the moment where I thought, okay, it's it's definitely Rakondo's show. Apart from all the stuff where he's leading the guys through the jungle, which is a specialty, so I'll give him credit for that. Without necessarily elevating him to the the squad leader role, but the moment where I thought, hmm, maybe Rakondo is actually in charge, is when Copperhead is driving them in the, the moccasin back to Cobra's base. And it's Rikondo who kind of, without any prompting from Duke, just knocks Copperhead up. He's like, um, I don't know, calls him poison breath or something. Um, and just, just beans him over the head. I'm like, do you really have authority to decide when to knock out the prisoner? Like, surely <laughs> that's like, Duke should have made that decision. Well, Duke, Duke takes control again once once they're, in, they're in, in the base, he takes control again. You know, like he's the one responding to Cobra Commander when Cobra Commander kind of like says stuff. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, so, I, I guess I, for, a, for a passage of this episode, I thought, hmm, maybe they have kind of rotated command. Mm. So I, I couldn't help but think of uh, MCDJ ACDC when watching this episode because I felt like uh, this is like one of the first big like fun moments for copperhead um and and you know we all know that he's a big fan of copperhead the character mm -hmm. so i couldn't help but thinking of andrew <laughs> so andrew <laughs> i was thinking of you while watching this episode bro um and seeing the water moccasin and all that that was actually really cool as well to see in the episode um but something that needs to totally be mentioned and this is a, a rarity so when i uh, like started getting my hands on G.I. Joe episodes via download or weird DVD collections or whatever's here and there. This episode stood out to me as being one of the most, if not the most Snake Eyes action-packed episode of them all. Because uh, yeah. as we, yeah, so I'm very much a Snake Eyes fan or was very much a Snake Eyes fan when I was younger um, in G.I. Joe and always like, oh, I hope we see Snake Eyes in this episode and this one we do. And he, he does some seriously cool stuff for a change, you know, and I love that. And that was, that was really great. Like it was cool to see him like kick. Like I even joked with Celia. I'm like, like the, the hyenas are running out and she's like, who let the dogs out? And I'm like, yo, what? Somebody's going to kick a hyena and it's snake eyes. Snake eyes kicks a hyena. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, Did you get a, and, like a breakdance vibe though. Yes. Yeah. I totally I like got he was that vibe. doing some like windmill flares. I got that as well, like some kind of capoeira, uh, breakdancing, well, some kind of vibe there. Yeah. Do you think the animators, well, it was possibly the same guys who did his animation in the Pyramids of Darkness, where he does yeah. his breakdance performance, and they're like, maybe that's how this guy fights. <laughs> he gets down on the floor and he kicks. <laughs> and it was just, it was so cool, man. It was like, it was just cool to see Snake Eyes. Being Snake Eyes. And the, the thing I want to mention about this is that the Sunbow cartoon managed to keep the, the magic and mystery of Snake Eyes because of how little they use him. 
um, for whatever reason, may, uh, you know, be it he can't talk, whatever, but they definitely made him more mystical because when I talk to people who haven't, who are not G.I. Joe fans but loved the cartoon when they were younger, they always like list Snake Eyes as being one of their favorite characters. And I'm like, yeah, but he's only in the cartoon like three or four times, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that as like an appearance in the background. And when they think about it, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he really is. He's not that like prevalent in the cartoon, but yet he made a huge impact. And it's because of episodes like this that he totally does. And it, it was cool. It was cool to like have that. It was cool for Snake Eyes to actually shine in a fun way in a cartoon that he doesn't dominate uh, dominate as being the super weapon, which is stark contrast to what we're kind of seeing in the Renegades now and in the comic book, you know, especially the comic book where he's like, like you mentioned earlier, he's kind of like a god. Um and it was just fun in the cartoons, just see him being cool. And it was cool. He and also does make one god move though. Like there's a cave in, and he's yeah. the guy coming up on the rear. Oh, oh, you know, like so the cave in happens, the Joes are clear of the, the cave in, except for Snake Eyes. And what happens there? He kind of like kicks a rock and then he's okay and he's in the next scene. It, yeah. I don't feel like any there was any payoff <laughs> to that that beat. Yeah. Also, like a bit of a like a downer on he this kicks episode. The cave in open, like he like he, yeah, gah, and then it's, kicks that's what we let to believe. Cave ins, kicks Chuck children. Norris before Chuck Norris existed. Don't stick your surprised fingers in like children. Snake eyes, kick, kick the rhinoceros. Yeah, I'm actually surprised <laughs> he didn't kick the rhino either. That would have maybe that would have just been a, an animal too far. But God um, kick, but yeah, the rider kick. Uh, sorry, just, I got a I got a common rider model kit recently um, to build okay. on our live stream, and it's just making me think of like, you know, when you said that kick rider kick snake eyes kick. Um, anyway, there is something that like in this episode as well that I found quite interesting, and I feel like I feel like there's like a mental block. But what the hell is the Vulcan machine do? Uh, what does it do? Uh, like uh, lava. Yeah. Really? Is that all it does? Because it I does. I couldn't put the I couldn't really put that together for some reason. I don't know, man. Like, like I don't know what happened in my brain. Very briefly, like he's like, now we can send lava to destroy any city in the whole world. And there's a little wow. graphic where he shows like it draws lava from the center of the planet and just makes it come up anywhere in the whole planet. So I think I think my problem my, my personal problem there is not. Uh, this is not a criticism. I think it's just because I've watched so many of these episodes and I'm just like, Cobra's got an improbable machine. It's going to do something improbable. And they're probably going to tell me what it is. I don't really care <laughs> because it's just <laughs> stupid anyway, but it's cool and I'm happy and it looks nice. But for some reason, that just didn't like get into my brain. And yeah, like looking back at that, that feels like it hurts the episode a little bit. But otherwise, man, it is great. Also... Somebody needs to tell those animators what India looks like because that's not what India looks like. It doesn't look like Mogadishu, <laughs> dude. It looks like India. <laughs> you know, like, oh, like I'm prepared to give it a pass. India's a pretty big place. You could no, make it, it look is. like a sprawling city. You could make it look like a jungle. You could make it look like a desert wasteland. It all still be you India. could. Either way, it's but if you're gonna do that, India. just make sure that when you put a thing in your credits about how. Um, <laughs> the Stanford university or whatever, like supervises some of the educational aspects of this cartoon that you make sure <laughs> that you've draw freaking India properly, <laughs> you know, oh, just geez. a stupid thing. Maybe give us an establishing of the Taj Mahal, for example, just to oh, really, Paul, put us come in the now. 
no, no man, that's, that's, that's going too like, far. I'm going too far, but like I'm just saying, these are like little things, you know, little, little yeah, things. Yeah. It's it's not like a small cartoon here, you know. This is not this a is cartoon. Not accurate, I... Like the, the sequences where they were in the the, the city, like the, doesn't the Ganges have like those huge steps running down it and really like uh, clustered totally... buildings? Nah, I think nah, it nah, totally nah. does have accurate that. Enough? It just, yeah, it just. I don't know. I just it just felt a little more bit too Indian. rural. I don't know. Just, it felt a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it just felt a little bit too rural. At least we didn't like, encounter any indigenous people. Yeah, like, that is a good thing. Mr. Red Flag there, though. I mean, this is a cartoon of the '80s, and Ricardo does call them natives. Eek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, I think it's a, it's a pretty entertaining episode. Yes, it's by the numbers, but I mean, at least it's it's. I think it's fun overall. You know, there is kind yeah. of. Like, like certain sequences like with the rhino which may be a bit too far a bit silly um but i mean overall i think it's it's just a fun episode it's it's mm. inoffensive there's nothing terrible about it. it's not like wow absolutely crazy amazing it's just kind of cool to see them going through a jungle um and the animation generally is quite good i especially yeah i mean like early on i really enjoyed the close-up of um zartan Oh. Well, the yes. doctor yes, for the photo starting as well. It was just a really cool close-up. Like, hey, 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 now we've got them. You're going down. Which the wrong incidentally passage. is the, the thumbnail on um, yeah YouTube. on YouTube. Mm, yeah. yeah, good, good, very pick. cool so, shot. But yeah, very animated episode. Very just fun overall. I I, I didn't think I kind of had any major problems with it uh, going all the way through. I, I hope Sunbo does more episodes 3. like this. Same here, bro. <laughs> Three point five from me as well. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna throw it at two and a half, ooh, kind of right down ooh. the middle. I, I didn't particularly enjoy it, and I, I don't think I'll enjoy doing a rewatch. So this, yeah, this is enough jungle. Well, track it's, for me. it's just to buy the numbers, as you said. You know, like it's it's inoffensive. Like there's nothing that makes it stand out, but it's not bad. So I think two point five is fair too. Dragonfly, Zartan, Snake Eyes fighting, Rakondo, um sensing the hyenas. Hands are cool vehicle. Uh, Copperhead, Moccasin. Uh, G.I. Joe's getting into disguise and very cool looking Vulcan device, even though I didn't know what it was for. Uh, these are things that went for me. <laughs> the, the and there was a line. Not to give it away, where they're running away from molten lava. No, I just thought like <laughs> something blew up in the volcano for some so reason. I don't shiny. know why. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Like, I, I fuzzed out. Guys, there's a line where they. Is, is it in, in Renegades or in this one? Sorry, I did watch them back to back. Um, oh, there's a line that somebody back, throws at Snake Eyes about not having a lot to say. Oh, um, yes. um, well, that was Duke. He's like, I gave you an order not to come back for me, but you did. Uh, thank goodness. If, if you promise not to say anything about this, neither will I. Something like that. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. that's cool. That's Very cool. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's rare yeah. for the cartoon to kind of put a name to the fact that Snake Eyes doesn't speak. It doesn't go yeah. into the reasons. It doesn't go into the backstory, and it doesn't often mention it. But yeah, that's a nice little little jab. It tells us that the writers at least know that Snake Eyes doesn't speak. He doesn't speak. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I I really swooned over Chris Lotz's read on this one line, uh, Cobra Commander line, obviously. You may bow if you wish. <laughs> <laughs> like the Doctor confronts him, and and. And it's like this pomp and the circumstance that, that Cobra Commander brings to himself. It's delicious. Mm, absolutely. I am Cobra Commander. You may bow. 
if you wish. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Ah, that was great. But yes, guys, fun episode. Um, unoffensive, but neither here nor there for me. And yeah, I'm less interested yeah, in watching G.I. Joe take on hyenas and rhinoceroses and far more interested in rattlers and water moccasins. We know that's your, Shall we your close vibe? out with a delightful dive into issue four, Operation Wingfield? Or is that too much for one it's episode? It's too much. Should... I, I've wow. got an idea. Sorry, I know yes. I cut you off, man. Just and I'm like such wild. an asshole for doing it. No, I needed a decision. Really I didn't episode four. I feel like episode four is really rife ground for a fantastic controversial conversation, actually. Wow. Ooh, what about... Par- uh, it's it's, it's issue four, by the way, Paul. Yes. Did I say? Four? Oh, sorry. Did I say episode? I meant issue four. Series is, four. It's just. It's. I. I felt like when I was reading it, I was like, "Damn, I don't feel like we not have enough episode, you know, for this and, and other things." Mm. I feel like this really should wow. be like it's not not a, a whole episode dedicated to this, but it's it's very poignant, and I think it's right. very worth reading. Yeah. Why? Okay. Uh, well, that, about the next episode. It does so, yeah. Tip the scales wild. because I I could go either way. I could kind of summarize it in a sentence or I could tease it out talk for hours. over out in my podcast. But yes, issue four of ARR is Operation Wingfield. It is Wingfield. An, an issue where G.I. Joe is not taking on Cobra, but instead a paramilitary organization within the United States itself. It's got high stakes action with nuclear Armageddon in the balance. Yep. Oh, um, it's it's gorgeous, it's, Herb Trimpy art and Herb yep. Trimpy plot. This mm. is not a uh, Larry Homer brainchild, he might have written the script. <laughs> but then but... it's awesome, okay. Yeah, so. Well, then, so uh, let's, Paul, let's, 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 you guys. let's yeah. reconvene a week from now, yeah. Like, let's do a week a from bonus. now, mm. yeah, because I really want to get into the, the nuts and bolts of that episode and also maybe just play a game with it as well, just Less you know, in the episode. and See where we can issue. take certain ideas and things. Issue, sorry, my brain. Chapter. TV series. Uh, chapter for episode, f- uh, issue for, ah, oh, fuck it, stop it, Paul. <laughs> what I do want to quickly steal 10 minutes of this episode for, or even five minutes of this oh, episode. Oh, my is just goodness, you're stealing to rave, to rave about Guardians of the Galaxy. Because wow. Yes. So this will occupy the last Oof. 10 minutes of this podcast. If you don't want to be spoiled for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Step uh, off we, now. we bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. Um, the patrons, uh, we thank you. We salute you. These are them. Doot. Bleep, bloop. And doot. <laughs> but yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk a little bit about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Paul and I have seen it. Rob doesn't care. If indeed don't you don't care shit. about spoilers, uh, you can listen to this. Stay with us so that we can tell you Actually, your Joe, but at, at a longer, longer time. <laughs> so, long range jojo paul what hey. do you want to say about guardians 3 so i just okay so i'm sure you guys can immediately tell by the tone of my voice and i'm very excited about it i really enjoyed it uh it was a great cinematic experience especially when so many comic movies have just felt very dry and by the numbers and maybe it doesn't hurt uh maybe it really helps guardians that the last marvel film i watched was uh wakanda forever or whatever the second black panther movie is don't watch that um (laughs) that was a stark contrast to guardians also i really enjoy the guardians of the galaxy i i love that concept i love that type of character like that kind of team and that kind of concept so to have it finished off nicely 
uh, was exciting. Like this idea that, okay, cool, they're going to finish off that trilogy. Um, it's awesome. And I would almost go as far as to say that it's probably the best trilogy in the entire MCU. Because, Word. yeah. Or in the MCU, I, okay. In the MCU. Yeah, not, not in movies ever. I mean, coming out. Star Wars, Indiana Jones uh, exist, you know. So we don't we don't want to mess with that. Some people like Lord of the Rings, um, but yeah, guys, I just really loved it. I just it was a great way to finish the arc on some of these characters, and and it sets them up well, and it pays off like pays off to the fans of the uh, of the movies. And yeah, man, it's a real gut punch, dude. Like, geez, like Celia and I were in tears in this film, <laughs> you know. Um, well, without but, having seen it, the only nitpick I have with the movie without having seen it, I don't mm -hmm. like the casting of Warlock. Like, I don't, it's not that I absolutely love the character Warlock, but he, he looks very distinctively, he has a distinctive look in the comic books, especially um, from, from his time in um, uh, Infinity Gauntlet and all that sort of stuff in the 80s. Yes. Um, and the actor that they got to play him does not look like him at all to me. Like okay, he but he's wrong. Okay, so mm, there's I, a reason for that. Yeah, there is a reason oh, for that. Fascinating. And also, I also love that. Like, well, Paul, you, uh, yeah, Rob, you don't you don't want to you don't mind being spoiled. I don't so mind I'll, spoilers I'll put, at all. I'm very curious to hear this. It's because we're seeing Adam Warlock at his at his creation, so he's ah. he's fully formed and he's fully powerful, but he's very immature, such an rational. Idiot. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. such an he, idiot. he actually is is an idiot. He's I mean, such a there will be an an evolution of this guy to being the the wistful like know-it-all space dude yeah no, I mean, i'm not Adonis. attached to the character but like he has a certain look and from the trailers and the clips i've seen i'm just like it doesn't look like him like that's no. i just wanted him to look like warlock if i ever saw him on the big screen and and to be perfectly honest he's a buffoon in this as a result because he's yeah. all powerful <laughs> but he's essentially like a couple of weeks old and we feel like just way. Yeah, he, That's he, an he interesting is. Take. He's mm. such a he's such a like a, a football player, uh, typecast mama's boy. Kind of, yeah. yeah, he's just works great. It's just kind of cool because I mean, I mean, Gunn has played with obviously like the development of like Groot over the three yes. movies. Like, yes, he is fully formed in the first movie. He dies, but then mm -hmm. over the last two movies, as well as all his other appearances, he has been growing again. Um, you know, back and, towards being an adult. And it, it is interesting to hear that he does play with that, you know, in like this character's brand new, like literally. And what does that do to a character? That's kind of cool. And this, yeah. this is one these characters have arcs. They definitely have growth over growth, the course of the films. Cool. Also, man, like you mentioned Groot. Like, so I don't want to, like, I don't want to go too far with Groot because, Rob, there are some things that I just feel like knowing them before the end of the film, this isn't it's going to color your opinion of certain things, but I definitely feel like this film was, was clearly in the eyes of Marvel and the whole James Gunn conspiracy, uh, conspiracy, the whole James Gunn controversy. I think Marvel was kind of like, he was fired and then rehired uh, for yeah, some things yeah. that he said on Twitter, like decades ago. Yeah. Uh, for anyone not knowing. And so they also kind of soft punished this film because there aren't any toys yet. There isn't major merch. And there sure as shit isn't anything new Groot-wise. So I, he, it feels like he took that ball and ran with it because there's a section where Groot loses his head and he's got spider <laughs> legs. And it's definitely like the least marketable thing for a child ever. 
<laughs> it's like spider Groot, and <laughs> because it's kind of freaky. And I love that. I love that they did that. Like you got yeah, this. That's going to be a builder figure part. You were. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Oh Legends. no, it will definitely be. But it's not a plushie. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not going to find it next to the I am Groot dancing plant toy or next to Grogu. You know what I mean? In the same like section of the toy toy aisle. You know, it's just it's very like anti marketing, and I love that. I also like that the film. You know, like how the previous movies. I know that a lot of us had the eye roll moment of people going, oh, I am Groot. And you're like, yes, yes, you watched the fucking Marvel movie. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> but this film doesn't do that. And I love that. Like, it's really good at like, like it kind of rips itself off with some things quite well. Um, and the Groot thing, they're like, th- totally stop with it. They stop making Groot like, I am Groot all the time. You know, he's there and it's cool. He's like part of the team, whatever. He's he's like there now. He's like Drax the snake is- eyes of the Guardians. Yeah, he's he kind of became a little bit like that. And then they it feels like they put him to the back a bit. I mean, Adam Warlock, uh, coming back to that character, when I first saw that we were going to get Adam Warlock, you know, as the teaser at the end of the credits, and this was obviously before Infinity Gauntlet had really kicked off properly, I was like, holy shit, we're going to get Adam Warlock in the whole Infinity Gauntlet thing, you know? And that's going to be amazing. And then that never played out. And then they played out that other whole thing. Um, that a lot of people love that I don't fully love, but whatever's. Um, but the but what he is now is so much cooler. Like what they've done with that character now is much better because now if Adam Warlock does go into his final form within the Marvel U, like we will understand that better. And as audiences, we're going to feel a lot more hurt if he goes that darker direction. And so that's that's an interesting thing as well that they've kind of set up there for future films, but you know, without it being new Guardians of the Galaxy. Another thing that I, I think is great is this villain. So there have been a lot of villains in the MCU, and none of them. And I mean, okay, so Steve, I know where you're gonna. Uh, Steve and I sort of chatted about this a bit, like off air. Um, so I know that what they did with this villain is like kind of cheap shots it's very easy to make us hate this villain because of what he does but of all the marvel universe villains i really feel like he's the most despicable i really hate him like i don't hate thanos for example but i really hate you know the the high evolutionary like i really hate him and they make him really despisable they 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 are something about inflicting pain on defenseless cute animals that it instantly really makes the person evil. Yeah, it makes fuck you, a you super fuck asshole. you to hell. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> you know, this, this guy needs to burn. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he's also he's a genocidal maniac, and he's like a, a eugenist. You know, like he's he's all into like eugenics and stuff as well, which also weirdly oh, enough God. makes him worse than Just a like, Nazi. Oh, I, I don't like this creation <laughs> incinerated. I don't like Boom. that entire planet that I made. Destroy it. Yeah. yeah. Bad bad times. I mean, if I... you're a fan of furries. You're gonna really hate him. <laughs> well, I was gonna say this, this is the film for you because my goodness, Counter Earth is populated by like well, furries, anthrop- anthropomorphic pandas and badgers and and rats and everything else. <laughs> and fruit bats, I think. At one fruit bats, yeah. And that, it's it's so daunting and like not daunting. It's so jarring um, to see because. But that was also such an amazing gag in and of itself. It's it's great. 
James Gunn is really, really great. Um, I feel sorry. Uh, I'm glad they rehired I'm... him. <laughs> 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 the because... addition, they weren't going to finish out this series with anyone else. Totally. I remember maybe, a very uh... kind of inspiring speech by John Batista post. He wrote out like, yeah. you know, that they all stand together. They, Disney and Marvel need to get their shit together and, and, and pull their head out of their ass and get James Gunn back. And totally. Did. Yeah. And also, like, it's a great nod. If you're like a James Gunn fan, or at least you're a fan of all of his films, Marvel and or otherwise, there's a lot of cameos of actors from other movies um, that he's like done. You know, for example, I mean, you've got Nathan Fillion in there and everybody knows Nathan Fillion's in there, but it's, it's, he's in there, which is great. Uh, and that whole scene is super freaking awkward. <laughs> like that whole base. It's just <laughs> it's oh, nasty. Yes. Lavish, but it's of... in there. Yeah. Oh, Techno organic. It basically looks like they're 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 sneaking into a giant space colon. Yeah, it's so <laughs> gross. It's like the last level of like certain video games when you're in like the ass of a of an alien or something and you're fighting totally. like, on your way to the alien queen. Gloopy. Uh, and, like there's know. piss everywhere. It's it's great. And it's there's got some good in, Intestinal as well. walls. And then contrast that with the the kind of almost lack of design, like they they instead of going super high tech with the high high evolutionary's labs and his cages and stuff, they look like the cages of any vivisection lab in current history. Like it's mm. dark and wet and rusty and creaky. It doesn't feel like space at all. Um, and I just found that that stark contrast between all this kind of design work and and lavish budget being thrown at, at at making a place look very spacey and very weird, and then all of a sudden it's very realistic. Oh, it was it was creepy. But the overarching thing that I want to say and perhaps leave people who are on the fence about seeing this film on is we are all experiencing Marvel Cinematic Universe burnout. Yeah, big time, right? Yeah. Back yep. in the heady days of the earlier phases of the MCU, I disregarded the Guardians films because they felt very separate. I'm like, I'm not really concerned in this galaxy hopping adventure with these, you know, second or third tier characters because I want to get back to what's happening on Earth with Cap and Iron Man and Thor and the Infinity Stones and the Avengers and Ultron and all that stuff. So it was very easy to ignore or just watch once and then disregard these films now i find having had the trilogy capped off my interest in watching the other two is at an all-time high because for the exact reason that these films step outside the mcu they are untarnished unblemished unaffected by the goings-on in the now kind of tail spinning main cinematic universe Totally. Like I'm, I'm so disinterested in, in phase four and these films fortunately avoid any of that stink. So yep. I wish I wish this volume three every bit of success because it is a, a return to the old form of being excited about cartoon characters, comic book characters again. Mm -hmm. um, and it is and a very satisfying end. It, it, it gave me more intrigue and more interest than the other two. I think it is the strongest entry on the the trilogy. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, even the whole mm. thing with Gamora is so clever. Like, like 
that was also the way that they put it in and they subvert a lot of your expectations and they tease you with it and it's great that was it's good writing nebula has grown so much as a character and i love nebula i've loved nebula since i saw her as a marvel masterpieces card i was like who's this blue character read on the back oh, okay you, she's a space pirate i think Looked i speak up. for a lot of people when i say nebula wasn't a blip on my radar like she was i thought she was going to be a disposable baddie for that first mm. film but she has grown to be an anti-hero and now like yeah absolute highlights of the the, the character roster and <laughs> and just also like like I, I gotta say, like I know for a lot of people, Karen Gillan entered your radar from like watching Doctor Who. Um, for me, I kind of went backwards. I saw Karen G- uh, Gillan in an episode of Doctor Who. Was like, oh my word, this is a like a beautiful redheaded woman who's got like this really quirky character <laughs> in the show. Yes, I lo- I really love Karen Gillan. Okay, like amazing actor, um, and just beautiful woman. And and I, and I didn't have DSTV, like I didn't have satellite, so I couldn't really watch more Doctor Who. So it was kind of like a faded thing. And then I watched Guardians. Oh, was it? It wasn't even. Yeah, it was. Was it Guardians? Where? Oh, anyway, the first time I saw her, I was like, "Oh my word!" And wait for it. I was like, because there's another car- uh, another actor I love very much as well as a lady called uh, Rachel Lee Cook, who I also f- uh, adore. And I thought maybe it was like Rachel Lee Cook is. Nebula. So I was like, interesting, because they have a very similar facial structure when they in blue. And I had to check in the credits. And I was like, oh my word, who's Karen Gillan? And then I looked up Karen Gillan and found out she was in Doctor Who. And then I was like, okay, I've got to actually watch Doctor Who properly now. And because this woman is an, an incredible actor. And also, because they just did like something cool to a character I really like and have always been interested in. Because I really love the idea of a space pirate in like deep cosmic reaches of the universe and doing all kinds of cool, crazy stuff. And yeah, they nailed it. And after three episodes, uh, I mean, three movies, they've, they've grown this character really well and they've just made her fun. And, you know, she's become more and less and less uptight. And it's awesome. I mean, Drax, the metaphor thing and uh, analogies and Drax's writing is also on point. Everything's great. Everything about the show is great. I really, really want a Rocket Raccoon figure. I actually really would love all of the Guardians as figures. Whether they be 6-inch or 4-inch, we can only dream for 4-inch. So I would settle with the Marvel Legends collection of them. But they're Well, cool. since they have now adopted their uniform at long last, it only took mm. 10 years, um, The there was a Toys R Us exclusive 4-pack, 5-pack. Rob, you've got it. Yeah. Very comic book uh, looking appearances for Drax and Nebula and Quill and Rocket. But nevertheless, hmm. they were wearing that uniform. Paul, are you interested just, in that? I am interested in that, actually. That's very cool. They're, look that they're four inch figures. Um, and last I checked, <laughs> I still saw them in stores. Eek. Oh, wow. Because I, also, I love the, I like the Guardians comic books as well. In fact, uh, what kind of got me into Guardians was when I saw it was written by Dan Abnett and everybody was like, Dan Abnett's so amazing. So I was like, okay, how amazing is he? And then I read Guardians. I was like, oh, wow, no, he's pretty good. (laughs) Like, damn, (laughs) like he, you know, um, that was that whole, um, thing, uh, uh, Rob, you can, I think it's called Annihilation 
they also worked it into that huge arc in Marvel in the comic books. Mm. And there was that whole, and that was really awesome, like really dark and really like disparate and stuff. But anyway, Guardians is awesome, guys. It is totally worth the price of admission. Uh, for me, it was worth twice the price of admission because I had to pay for two tickets. Uh, well, oh. actually, I didn't because I have a subscription service through the movie company. So they give you four tickets a month to watch any film you want, which is really nice for us in South Africa because movies end up being small fortunes. And I'm sure it is like that for most people around the world. And so that was great. And it got me back into cinema and I enjoyed my cinema experience. And yeah, so check it out, guys. And Rob, check it out, dude. Go and check it out. Go and watch that movie. I definitely will. I will definitely wait for it to go on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> well i caught quantumania on disney plus Quantumania is so. on disney plus yeah paul yeah. um okay. definitely skip that on disney plus. Okay. i don't think it's a bad movie i think it's it just is and it's its own thing in its own world and i if I, I, I need the movies to be good like I, I i can't waste my time watching okay movies just because i is it's a marvel movie like I will Quantum watch is I will not watch it. Is good. It is skippable, but it's got a great score and it's a beautiful film. Like it's a good. And I think film. I think that uh, that fella they got to hire Kang won't be around for much longer. Something gives me a, 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 a <laughs> the, oh, the slightest of indications that he might be recast. So yeah, don't don't get attached to Jonathan Majors just yet. It's a pity because he's brilliant. Actually, is he really? Uh, yeah, he is. Like I. I, I really like his character. I think I, I look at this guy and I'm like, you're better than Marvel films. Well, bro, if the allegations are true, uh, no, he's not brilliant. He's a piece of shit and deserves. No, he's a piece of hired. shit. But as an, <laughs> what are the allegations? But, but I'm not anyway. judge, jury, and executioner. No, look, this isn't a this isn't a, a Hollywood gossip this isn't the podcast. Space, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Google's your friend if you want to find out the. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. On I Jonathan haven't seen Majors. anything like that. But also, don't uh, don't be trial trial by public opinion just yet. I mean, these are all I think ongoing uh, legal matters. So uh, I'm certainly not trying to be uh, some kind of sensationalist um, podcaster or YouTuber. Decide Whatever. for yourself. Yeah, go for it. Um, Do it. I think as then we that have is... decided to end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take us home, Robbie. So that's been 290. We talked comics and movies, uh, I mean, cartoons, movies too. We talked about O-Rings, how Hasbro hates O-Rings apparently. Um, but good times. Join us on Patreon if you want to listen to us uh, as we record these. Join the live studio audience. Um, we also do t-shirts. T-shirts are pretty cool. All right, these are the amazing patrons that Yeah, you us get to wear live. cool t-shirts now. It's summer, so you get to like show off your G.I. Absolutely. Joe book cool best. I'm loving summer. Oh, or wait, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you can wait, have uh, a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, you can grab yourself a hoodie, which will unfortunately kill you for shipping into South Africa, but uh, one can dream. Maybe maybe what we'll it? do is we'll send a whole bunch to Stephen, and when he comes to South Africa, you can bring us some G.I. Joe hoodies from out. What if electronics and T-shirts <laughs> are the most heavily taxed items going into RSA? Absolutely. I remember when Full Force sent us some t-shirts and I had to pay duty on each individual shirt. Bloody yeah. hell. Now I imagine, yeah, companies trying to do that. But thank you, Any Full Force, because that's a cool shirt and I wear it proudly. I, I So just saying, I love my Storm Shadows shirt. I never iron any of my clothes. But sadly, Neither when I. I was in Singapore, Kim's parents have 
a domestic worker and she took an iron to my Chris McLeod Zartan design shirt. <gasps> no. And it did Shock. not survive. She was very apologetic, but it was like, it's okay. Well, it's good now. The damage is done. Yeah. yeah, it's now very distressed. You can barely make out <laughs> Zartan on the front. But thanks for joining us, guys. We are actually going to be back a week from now. You heard it on this podcast to talk oh about issue goodness. four, Operation Wingfield. Oh. Give it, uh, oh, give it some air. Awesome. Yeah. Read so it. See you then. Berg,